Glad to see you guys. You guys are fucking patriots. Look at this guy. He's got covered in blood. God bless you. You good, sir? Do you need medical attention? I'm good, thank you. All right. This is the insurrection. Any chance I could get you guys yeah. to leave the Senate wing? <laughs> anyway, I'm been making sure they ain't disrespecting the place. Okay, just want to let you guys know this is like the sacredest place. Sacred. Um. I made a joke about this. This is Jacob Angeli, the guy who was um, jailed for... Hold on, hold on. Why do I hear this? Oh, son of a gun. Hold on one second. I've got the... I've got this playing somewhere in the background. Hold on, hold on. I hear myself somewhere in the background. Nope, that's not it. Okay, look, I haven't done... I haven't... I haven't done this in a while. Okay, so it's not here. I'm going to close this down. I still hear myself as I'm talking. I hear double viva. This is it right here. Found it. Okay, good. Oh, that's better. Gosh. Good evening, everybody. Um, I, I, I'm looking at myself. I don't think I'm too shiny. I haven't put on powder. So I, my forehead looks like it's glistening a little bit. Sound is good. No, no, the, what was, sound is good. It wasn't that the sound wasn't good. It's that I had an open screen somewhere in the back that was playing the stream in real time and I could hear it through my headphones. So look, I'm gonna, get, everyone's gonna be a little disappointed, maybe. Although maybe you're gonna stick around and listen to this interview, which is going to be mind blowing because I don't think people know what's going on in Canada. Barnes is traveling tonight. So the Sunday Viva and Barnes Law for the People is gonna be on a Monday. It's like Taco Tuesday, on a Thursday. Barnes is going to be here tomorrow night. We're going to have our show. We got all our topics lined up. It's going to be amazing. I say, I'm not, I'm not postponing the Sunday show. We got to keep this routine for those who have wonderful routine. I have an expression that humans are creatures of habit that get bored by routine. But when it comes to certain things, routines are good. The Sunday show, everybody knows 1800 hours and you'll get your dose of law. Barnes is traveling. So I said, I'm going to find an amazing guest to talk about something that is, um, of particular interest, uh, one of two ongoing trials in Canada, and we're going to do it. The man's name is Donald Best, and they say nomen is omen, so the, there's something in a name. We've got Best and Freedom on the show tonight, and it's going to be amazing because there's a disciplinary hearing going on in Canada for a, an investigator who was investigating SIDS and apparently took her investigation in places that, I don't know if she's with the, I think she's with the RCMP, but she took her investigation in areas where the powers that be didn't like it and decided to sanction her and discipline her for the manner in which she was conducting her investigations. We'll get to that on Rumble. Um, and what else? We're going to talk about the Coots 4 because this man, Donald Best, is also following the Coots 4 trial and the developments there. So this is going to be a Canadian-centric show tonight. Um, and if you don't know who Donald Best is, you're going to know and you're going to love it after this. I'm glad you have Donald on. It's terrible what's happening with this detective. That's Detective Helen Groose. Before we get there, you may have noticed, as I'm sure you did, it said this stream, this episode, contains a paid sponsorship. And it does. And it's fieldofgreens.com. Um, we're going to talk health tonight. And everybody should be very familiar and aware of what it means to be healthy. Don't have bad habits, exercise, sunlight, vitamin D, especially in the winter season. Fruits and vegetables, you are supposed to have between five and seven servings of raw fruits and vegetables daily. Most people do not have that. I do. 
but I also have this wonderful thing called Field of Greens. A healthy habit, twice a day, one spoonful, gives you all the antioxidants, nutrients that you need. One spoonful is a serving of fruits and vegetables with all of the good stuff. Twice a day, you get two servings of fruits and vegetables if you do that. It is not a supplement, it is not an extract, it is desiccated greens, pulverized, Fruits and vegetables, all of the antioxidant, beautiful stuff, USDA organic, because it's a food, it is USDA approved, made in America, tastes delicious, if you can actually believe it, because it looks like swamp water, but the whole thing is that swamp water is rich in nutrients, it is the source of life. This stuff is healthy, it's a good habit, it's actually refreshing, it's got all the stuff your body needs, twice a day, get rid of those disgusting diet soft drinks, they're not good for you. Don't do the disgusting energy drinks. This is what you need. Fieldofgreens.com, it'll bring you to Brickhouse Nutrition. Promo code VIVA will get you 15% off your first order. Uh, the link is in the description. I've got two flavors. The lemongrass is actually the one I have in my cupboard right now, and it's delicious. Um, so thank you, and uh, shout out to our sponsors. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code VIVA, 15% off your first order. Now, link in the description. We're not gonna wait much more time before bringing in our guest. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, let me do some standard disclaimers. No medical advice, no election fortification advice, no legal advice. These things here that we see super chats, rumble rants over on rumble. YouTube takes 30% of that. If you don't like it, go watch on rumble. I hope I pinned the link. I'll share the link afterwards if I don't. We're going to end after uh, Donald Best does his intro, tells us who he is. And we're going to have an open, candid discussion about what's going on in the court systems in Canada. Because you never know, you can't have it on the platform that censors, uh, censors, deplatforms, uh, you know, uh, labels medical misinformation, advice and opinions of actual licensed medical practitioners, medical professionals, but YouTube knows better, Big Brother knows best, and I love Big Brother. So we're going to end on YouTube and go over to Rumble, and then after that we are going to do the after show on Locals, vivabarneslaw.locals.com, where I'm going to answer the question, answer the tips, talk to the chat, and the link to that is over here. Now, without further ado... The man of the hour, the guest of the evening, Donald Best, who's going to tell us who he is, what he's doing here, and what he's doing in Canada, because the man is interesting. All right, Donald, let's rock this. Sir, well, good evening, Viva. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, sir? Up in cold oh. communist Canada. <laughs> cold communist Canada. Thank you very much. We're a little bit punch drunk. I mean, we spent a week at this hearing for Detective Helen Gruss, Ottawa Police Detective Helen Gruss. She's charged with a provincial offense of discreditable conduct for having the temerity, sarcasm insert, to wonder, is there a connection, a potential connection between the new mRNA vaccines and the sudden unexpected deaths of breastfeeding infants? That's yeah, but what she wondered. Hold on, Donald. Before we even get there, who are you? Ah, well, I'm Donald Best. I was born in Hamilton, Ontario, son of a mechanic. And uh, at 21 years old, I signed on to the Toronto Police, became a motorcycle cop. I was only going to spend a couple of years doing that, uh, just until I found my way into something I really liked. But I really liked it. I loved law enforcement. I loved intelligence work, and from riding a motorcycle, I launched a career that saw me go undercover against organized crime, uh, investigate corrupt police officers, 
judges, crown attorneys. And then I did that and, and worked with uh, various intelligence agencies in Canada. Uh, and I mean, alongside them on joint projects, including the precursor to CSIS, the RCMP Security Service. And then I went on to, after 15 years of doing that, I, I found that I had to leave. I, essentially, I loved my work. I was doing well. I was at that time the staff investigator for the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police, Sergeant Detective. But I found myself with three teenagers and no wife. And you cannot work night shift and raise a family. So I, I had to do that. And then I ended up founding a private investigation agency. And I found I was doing the exact same work I was doing as a police officer. When my children grew up a little bit, I was infiltrating uh, organized crime. My work took me all around the world, virtually every continent. Um, I ended up dealing with uh, many very serious crimes, uh, frauds that were where what was at stake was a billion dollars and there were millions of documents and that's the level that I operated at. And it was all very interesting. And, uh, oh yeah, I spent 63 days in prison, every day in solitary confinement after being convicted of contempt of court in a civil hearing and um, based on fabricated evidence. I'm vindicated, I'm thoroughly vindicated, but I spent 63 days in prison, every day in solitary confinement before I was vindicated. So let me ask you this, just back it up a little bit. 15 years plus with, uh, is it the RCMP or is it? No, that uh, was Toronto Police. Toronto Police. Toronto Police, Investigations. Yes. Uh, let me just ask you this for the sake of it. Um, unblemished record, untarnished rec record as a uh, civil servant? Award-winning, yes. Okay. Let's. So this is now, for those who have the, the slightest understanding of who you are, I see not your claim to fame by any means. Um, you made you made the news because you spent 63 days in solitary confinement from what I understand on a contempt conviction ex parte but I, I, I we, this could be the, you know the subject of an entire episode on its own but it, it, you could. Know, it, it it's like well look we've got two current stuff you know cases to get into but summarily what was what was this lawsuit that was going on that saw you convicted of contempt of court and then put in jail like what just briefly the context all right the case involved an estate in the country of Barbados and a fraud, money laundering major, that happened internationally. And uh, what was at stake was about one billion US dollars. I became involved in investigating that. My company launched a lawsuit in Canada concerning that. And uh, the end result was that in Florida, years later, just two years ago, um, we won and I ended up, my clients ended up with the largest civil RICO judgment in the state's history, 269 US million dollars. And that was all my work. And that was part of the case where I went to, uh, went to prison with, but what happened is, is simply this 2009, I'm traveling in Asia. I heard that I was uh, supposed to attend for disclosure and just normal disclosure, Viva, in, in a, in a, uh, in a uh, civil case. But I heard about it the day before I had phoned the court, had not received any court order. 
But the lawyers who were involved on the other side, don't forget, there's a billion dollars at stake. They signed an affidavit that I had been personally served with that court order. But let me just stop there. You're the plaintiff in this lawsuit? I'm the plaintiff in this lawsuit, Your, your yes. company, which is the investigation, the investigative company, has filed a suit. And what was the nature of the suit that you filed? And the, nature, the nature of the suit was I had a very small piece of that estate that was at, at stake. Um, at stake uh, was a billion dollars. And more specifically, the client had $130 million, $150 million that they they had a, a, a stake in, and I had, I had part of that, a very small. So when I found that the, the level of corruption, and I'm, this is all documented on my website, and, and in fact, the U.S. court documented all the government corruption and court corruption in Barbados as part of that lawsuit and the, and, and the awards that they gave. But when I find, found that, I knew that I couldn't launch a lawsuit in Barbados the chief justice was one of the ones involved down there who had stolen, defrauded this this little old lady of, of this 130 million US dollars. So I launched it in Canada. And the courts up here said, nice try. That's not the venue for it. We understand what's happening. So there was a cost hearing. I'm traveling in Asia. So I phone up the uh, the the, you know, the, the place where I'm supposed to be deposed. And I say, I'm here. And they say, did you get the order? I said, no, 12 times. I said, send it to me. They asked me some questions. They refused to get a court reporter in, these Ontario lawyers. And then they hung up. But the phone didn't hang up. And I kept recording. Yes, I recorded everything. And they discussed how they were going to falsify evidence, fake exhibits, tell the court uh, a lie. And they did so without telling me in a secret hearing, I was convicted in absentia, sentenced to three months in prison. I figured I'd just come back with my recordings and everything would be okay. Should be okay, right, Viva? I just play the recordings for the court. They understand that the lawyers have committed perjury and they lock up the lawyers and set me free. Does that sound like it should have happened? but it didn't. They refused to allow the judge and all courts refused to hear my new evidence, refused to admit the recordings. They all listened to it in the back room, of course, but they refused to admit it, admit to it. I went to jail. Years later, um, former commissioner of the Ontario Provincial Police, a couple of years later, found out what was happening, did an investigation, testified in my behalf, sworn affidavit. It's all online at my website, donaldbass.ca, wherein the commissioner of the OPP said that, A, one of his staff sergeants, detective staff sergeant, had accepted a bribe from the lawyers. B, the lawyers fabricated evidence and testified against me. Uh, they perjured themselves. And C, the judge was in on it too. That's what the commissioner of the OPP said. I'm vindicated, but once again, I had to do 63 days in solitary. It's the only way they could keep me alive in prison as an ex-cop. I understand now. Okay. And when you say it's on the cost hearing, that's to say then that the case was dismissed in Canada. And so you had to pay some costs right. and they have a cost. Okay. Now, I, now the, and so you don't show up for the cost hearing. Uh, <laughs> okay. And then, uh, so they send you to jail on contempt for three months and they put you in solitary because you're 
an ex-investigator who's put a lot of people in jail who's there, who's who probably in jail that would like to shank you. Uh, not thank you, but shank you. That's um, right. And okay, let me let me ask you this. I mean, it's the same question I asked, uh, you know, when I had um, one of the January Sixers on. I said, you know, you go to solitary. 63 days is enough to irreparably break a human being. It is torture. It's absolute torture. I did it in two periods because of what happened, 30 days and 33 days, something like that, with an appeal in between that was disallowed. Long story. Not going to get into it here. But, um, yes, it, it is torture. They kept the lights on 24 hours a day. I watched men eat their own feces, run against their door a thousand times until they knock themselves out, fall down, bust their teeth in, and then do it again. And that's what solitary is all about. It's torture. Now, look, I'm a very stable person. I'm a big guy. I have my family and my friends waiting for me. I have my God. I have my faith, my prayer. But many of these poor people, they're, they're, they're just at, at the end and they have nobody. And yes, there are some very bad people there. I mean, I, there, is, <clears throat> there are signs over every cell, suicide or biter, biter, um, two guards, leg irons, mouth protection. I mean, this is signs over, you know, who all my friends are. And um, when mealtime came, the slots would go down and everybody would get down on their hands and knees and try and talk to each other and encourage each other. And I mean, we're really talking people who are at the end here. They really are. And it is torture. Noise all the time, lights on in the cells, in the cells all the time, a concrete bed with a one-inch foam mattress, and this is this is your life. That's that's the way it is. I came, I came out changed, um, not because I was, you know, irreparably damaged or anything, but I just came out changed my opinions uh, of, 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 of everything and, and of, of, I guess, uh, an appreciation of my fellow man. Even these terribly evil people, some of them, they're still human beings, and we torture them every day because of where we put them and how they're treated and they react like that, which makes me think of these poor guys, these uh, the uh, four coots for, they've been in remand, which is not prison. Remand is terrible. They've been in remand now for 630 days or something like that. And uh, almost two years coming up on it. And they've been in solitary too. I have had no personal contact with them, but I've spoken with many, uh, with some who have, and it's a t it's tough. Some of them are not doing well, and they are political prisoners, but we'll get to that. Yeah, no, and I, I've spoken with uh, a number of them. They, they called me when they, when they had their prison calls, and it's, I, you know, I, I say faith and, and belief in something bigger than us can only take you so far. They sounded good, but that, was, you know, not, that wasn't yesterday. It was a little while ago. Okay, now what we're, let me ask you this before, just before I forget. You, you didn't get any compensation settlement payment out of it, you know, from the government, not a 10 million like they sent to other other people to compensate them for their uh, torture? Had I been a Muslim terrorist, I'm sure I would have been better treated. No, 
no uh, $10 million from Premier or Prime Minister Blackface. Yeah. All right. Now, with that said, <laughs> with that, YouTube, we go over to <laughs> Rumble. Uh, I'll give every, someone said my mic was low, but I'll just, I'll bring it closer to my face. Uh, I'm going to copy the link one more time. Give it to everybody. Come on over to Rumble and then we'll talk locals afterwards. There it is. Ending on YouTube in three, two, one. Now, also for all those who are watching afterwards, the link is pinned up there so you can come after if you're watching late. Okay, on to the free speech platform, Rumble. Okay, we're going to get it. We're going to get into the coots for afterwards. The, uh, my my uh, audience, or at least the people who watch regularly, know a whole heck of a lot more about the coots for than they know about Helen Groose. Okay, we're going we're gonna to start from the beginning on this. First of all, how did you get involved with the Helen Groose case? Tell us, give us the overview. I get mistaken between OPP, RCMP, uh, you know, all of the various legal, the law enforcement entities. Tell us how you got involved in this, who Helen Groose is, and let's start talking about the case, the disciplinary hearing that's now going on however many weeks. Start from the beginning. Well, first of all, Detective Helen Groose is an Ottawa police officer. And she is a detective signed, assigned to SACA, the Sexual Assault and Child Abuse Unit. She has 20 years of experience on, and boy, is she good. She is top drawer, top drawer investigator. Everything that we've heard in, in evidence about her previous uh, assessments and, and annual reviews, top drawer. She was slated for homicide and to be promoted prior to her her covid so she's situation. she's been, she's been doing this for two plus decades prior to this incident yes now and she started she started in uniform like everyone else does but soon very soon because uh, she's just so talented and energetic and and diligent and she was assigned to saca now this is a very difficult unit to work for I have investigated sexual assaults and of children and, and uh, sudden infant deaths. And it is a very, very demanding unit to work in. They only put the best in there. They only put the best in there. And uh, so she had done this for a number of years. She was about to be promoted, about to go to homicide. And the whole COVID lockdown vaccine thing starts. So there was a period when the Ottawa police were discussing, should we mandate vaccines or not? And Detective Groose, along with some other people, did some work on that. And some people had on the Ottawa police had police officers and personnel, civilian personnel, had already been injured. So in September and August, of 2021, Detective Groose went to a meeting with the chief where she and others expressed uh, the opinion that these vaccines shouldn't be mandated. They're experimental. They probably uh, will be found to be doing harm. You shouldn't mandate them. The word Let Nuremberg me... was used too. Well, so we'll get, let's, let's back it up just before we get All to right. the you know, modern day. Two plus decades, I presume her record was not only clear and clean, but exemplary as well. Yes, absolutely. Award-winning, promoted soon and often because she was so good 
And it's very interesting. She, uh, and, and this, you'll, you'll realize the value of this, this later. She has taken initiative to launch investigations on her own. And we all do, all police officers every day, thousands of investigations. You launch on your own. You don't tell anyone. You don't ask permission. You don't have to notify anyone. Even if someone else is investigating something, somebody, there's no property in a witness. There's no property in a criminal investigation. So, so she had launched an investigation and everybody does it lots of every day. But she launched an investigation into an historical child rape uh, charge. And she did that without notifying anybody, without notifying the investigating officer or her superiors. Police officers have autonomy to do this. This is the way we structured policing in North America. So uh, because of that and her work in that, she solved that crime and the perpetrator went to jail for 25 years. And she did that on her own with her diligence and her initiative. And that is the same situation she faces now where she's facing charges because she launched an investigation without telling anyone, which she didn't have to. Uh, but it was a, an investigation into a forbidden subject, mm -hmm. you see. Uh, what did you say the name of the unit was again? Child SACA, the Sexual Assault and Child Abuse Unit, SACA. Do you remember? Do you know what year it was that she started working in that unit? I think she has seven or eight years in okay. there. A pre, long it's pre, time it's pre COVID, so it it predates. Oh COVID. yes, okay. Yes. And so she's doing good work in that unit, and it's and it's a it's a horrific and horrible unit to have to. I mean, I really you know as far as it goes, I don't know what what is worse in terms of crimes. Um. They call her Mother Groose, like Mother Goose, because she looks after everybody. She looks after the new police officers who come in there. She trains them. She mentors them. She's always a team player. You should hear the annual reviews for her. I didn't even get annual reviews like this that were entered in evidence. Top drawer. And then something changed. Okay. And now, so she, she had always, so among the crimes and, and sexual assaults, et cetera, she also historically has looked into sudden infant death syndrome. It's not like that became a new aspect of her career post COVID. So she had always looked into things like SIDS. That that's correct. The, the unit is responsible for investigating sudden infant deaths or, and, and I know there are some that will say that's a specific medical term, but colloquially we, we think of it as any unexpected sudden death. And, and that's what her unit looks into. Now, these, these cases are assigned as our rape cases, as our child abuse cases. Um, so she has helped on, on some of these investigations in the past. But she noticed a cluster of nine sudden infant deaths or nine unexpected infant deaths in a short period of time. And she wondered whether, uh, whether this might be something to do with the COVID vaccines. Now she was not assigned any of these cases. Eh, so what? You look into anything you want. So she looked into the police files, not if, the- If okay. I may stop you there, just so yes. I understand this, like I've, I've never had any experience with this. The, the, uh, like files in a law firm, one lawyer will be working on case, you know, uh, case A and then another lawyer on case B and everyone gets their mandates from the mandating attorney who handles a bunch of files. 
is this to say like she has her own workload and, and her own investigations by name and then she just starts incidentally seeing a number of SIDS cases and says, I'm going to, I'm going to sneak, you know, just not sneak in a bad way, but just, I'm going to look into what's going on there. Cause I noticed a lot come up, although none of them are formally assigned to me. Well, first of all, it's different in the police and a law firm. In a law firm, lawyers are very private about their individual cases because you don't want to violate any privacy. And there's, there's issues of Chinese walls and, and, and such, but in the police forces, in the police services, the reports are open. They're put on a computerized system so that police officers can look at them, and they have conferences about cases that they don't even that they don't even uh, uh, are, are involved in to look at trends, to look at uh, perhaps. I mean, when we think back to the Bernardo Homolka, uh, Carla Homolka serial killer cases, um, they could have solved that case. They could have saved. They could have saved at least one victim that I know of, had the police been talking and been exchanging files and such. So that's the way these computerized files are set up so that individual police officers can look at them mm -hmm. for, for not personal reasons, but professional reasons. Well, and, she, and she did this and she testified, I'm sorry, there was testimony from the prosecution, that uh, from prosecution witnesses, that it was known in the unit that they were having a high incidence mm -hmm. of sudden unexpected infant deaths i say that you go for the or your your reflex is to look at you know the the confidentiality chinese wall of, of what separates a law firm from a mm. uh, police firm i i look at the the to me the distinction is the billing you know like n nobody wants anybody working on another file without telling them because of the billing but when you're in an investigation where you're there's no billing except for the billing of solving the crime so in theory the more interaction the more interconnectivity uh you know that you might say hey X is working on one file and this other one's looking, and they might have the same perpetrators because of the same, you know. So, okay, so that's, that's fascinating now, but even before we get into noticing the SIDS and then her deciding to independently investigate what a lot of people might, you know, seem, think is reasonable. You did mention that she used the word Nuremberg and was opposed to the vaccine before this stuff. So, you know, what, what, what was her history like post COVID and then certainly at the time of the jab and was she known for being that person such that when she did this stuff on her own well that's just the rebellious anti-vaxxer uh, conspiracy not bringing that aspect of her life into her professional career well of course that's what they tried to do and that's that's what they tried to portray her as but the fact is she had written an email to the chief which listed uh, her concerns, her professional concerns, and also questions about the liability uh, as police officers and, and police employees. If we inject this and we're injured, who's going to compensate us? Who's going to look after our families? And, and all of this was there. But she also had set up with the chief that she was doing an investigation into the potential uh, uh, connection between breastfeeding babies dying and, and the MRA vaccine. She had two meetings with the chief and he knew that she was working on this project. So it's all very professional, but that was chief slowly. And then he left <laughs> on day two, well, <laughs> February 4th, February 15th. 
of the I, Emergencies Act. I, I know we, we both know who Chief Slowly is, but for those who might not know, mm. Chief Slowly had an integral role to play in the Ottawa, uh, what are we going to call it? The Ottawa protest and the response and, um, you know, whether or not he did a good job, he ended up resigning or, or, or leaving. Chief Slowly is a, is a player that we should all be familiar with. Okay, but so she's a, uh, she's a skeptic. She's a bit of an outspoken skeptic about COVID in general. Uh, from the beginning of of the of the and I'll put it in quotes the pandemic, the 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 investigate you know her her office knows this. Okay, um, she starts noticing an uptick or a cluster of SIDS. Uh, not not just her, the entire office did, and it was discussed that there's an I'm sorry there's an uptick. Yes, there's a cluster of sudden infant deaths. Now these nine cases have been assigned to officers. And she looked into the files to see if those cases were properly investigated or what she could learn from them. Do we know any details about these cases? The, the, oh, we the, sure the... do. Okay, so we sure do. It has come out in evidence. First of all, it's not nine cases, it's seven. Why? Because one was a drowning, unfortunate Ho homicide drowning or uh, just a drowning accidental, okay. just an accidental drowning. And the other one was a homicide. So now we're down to seven. Well, and also just, just to illustrate this, and I know you mentioned it to me privately. I don't remember when though, but you know, ordinarily the parents of a, of a child that dies unexpectedly wants answers. So they're not, they're not going to object to people asking questions unless it's homicide, in which case asking the questions, if it leads to reduction of one because it's homicide, well, mission accomplished in terms of what your, your, your job is. But um, the question that I had was this, the SIDS. Um, Oh, sorry, just a spoiler alert for everybody. She ends up facing discipline, a disciplinary uh, sanction from her, from her department. And that's what's being, it's not litigation. That's what's being, um, uh, what's the word right now? I don't want to say litigated, but that's what, that's what the hearing is about, her disciplinary action. Correct. She's charged with discreditable conduct in that she launched an unauthorized, unauthorized investigation into this potential connection. And she looked at other people's files, other officers' files, without notifying them and without permission. And that's a non-starter. But hey, it's what she's charged with. The cluster of SIDS. Yes. It, it, we, we, if, she, if, if it was nine at first, but one was an accidental drowning, one was a homicide, you're down to seven. That's over right. What, over what time frame and what would be a normal, a normal expectable SIDS uh, figure for the size of their department, the size of their geography, I don't know, whatever it is. We have heard evidence under oath in court uh, at the hearing that whatever the time frame was, and you know, I'm not going to go off the top of my head which month to which month, but it was at least double and maybe triple the normal sudden infant deaths for this time frame for this police force in this community. Okay. And now we're, we're going to end up getting into the evidence in a bit. But so she is independently saying, oh, oh look, I, we've, there's nine sudden infant death mm. syndromes and I'm going to go look into them. And whatever, for whatever the reason, she's an anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorist. She says, I want to go verify the vaccination status of the mothers. And right. that's so how, how does she go about doing that? Because I know what people I'll play devil's advocate. It's a, it's a none of your business type thing. And how does she go about getting that information on the mothers? Well, I suppose she could have gone to McDonald's and asked the 16-year-old at the door 
because every 16-year-old at McDonald's was asking to see your vax, your personal medical files. I guess she should have done that. But there's nothing off limits when we're talking a police officer investigating a sudden death or a death, is there? There's nothing off limits. And I, I can go into that about how we've set up the police police service and the the powers and the authorization that each individual officer has. And, and I will go there. But let's talk about what she discovered in the files when mm -hmm. she went into the files. Now, she went into the police files. That's very different from going into the coroner's office and going into the coroner's files. Okay? And if I may, different also than calling up the mothers and saying, hey, this is Detective Gru. Did you get vaccinated? She, I don't know if she did that, but what she did right now is just go into the computer files of the, of the police files to look right. over the information included in there. And here's what she learned. She learned that none of those nine sudden infant deaths had been properly investigated, either by the, the uh, rules and procedures of the Ottawa police or by the World Health Organization that have rules and about uh, including asking the parents about their vaccination status. That's all part of it. Not once was that done. Furthermore, she determined that two of the infants, two of the seven infants now, had died in their mother's arms. They picked up a live baby, they were breastfeeding, and the infants had died in their mother's arms. Now, how common is that? Well, we learned through testimony from an expert, which was her supervisor, Sergeant Marc-Andre Guy. And he was Detective Bruce's supervisor and under questioning uh, during cross-examination, we heard how he was part of a, a provincial team that looked into hundreds of sudden infant deaths. Remember I said we all got together, the police now, and they talk about you know, trends and look at individual cases because we don't want another Homolka-Bernardo situation to, to, to come come to the fore if there are trends and if there are people involved, the same people we want to know. So out of 500, we heard out of 500 investigations of infant deaths that this officer did, how many died in their mother's arms? He can think of one, maybe, not sure, maybe two. Give it the benefit of the doubt, one in 250. How many died in this cluster? Two out of seven. Let me let me back up for one second. When you say um, in an ordinary run of SIDS, set aside COVID, pre-2020, is it a normal question, a standard operating procedure question to ask the vaccination status of the mother? Yes. Okay. And now we're finding out that post-COVID, or at least post-jab, of this of this of these nine cases, that question was not asked. Not asked. Do we know of, oh, I guess, no, there's no other, there's no other number of SIDS cases. Okay. Uh, very interesting. So now. Now, don't forget, we, we're also not talking about sudden infant deaths in the hospital. These are non-hospital. So there's, there's more, but this is just what we have. These, these are the statistics from the Ottawa police, from the unit that is assigned to investigate these and has been for a decade. And as we're going to like, you know, draw some parallels between your particular persecution and this now once it's one thing to 
break protocol when investigating, but it's another thing to actually have that investigation turn on the investigators themselves. Well, hold it. She didn't break protocol. Oh, well, no, I, Detective just, Bruce did not break protocol. The investigators who were her compatriots in the squad, they broke protocol. They were not diligent in their work. They didn't do a good job. Well, do, do we know why? They, did it ever reveal why they did not ask the vaccination question? Was that revealing some deeper internal corruption? Yes. Now, it could have been laziness. It could have been. Some people aren't very good. It could have been competence levels. It really could have. Because many of these preceded uh, September of 2021 that I'm about to tell you about, where the staff sergeant, Staff Sergeant Rossetti in the chain of command over Detective Bruce and Sergeant Marc-Andre uh, Guy, her immediate supervisor, put out a memo to everybody that COVID and the vaccines were simply not to be discussed in the office. Not to be discussed or not to be considered in investigations? Both. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, I guess we're, 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 we're you know, going to culminate with the, with the um, disciplinary hearing regardless, but sh this is what she's doing. She right. independently investigates, nothing counter protocol in that discovers that they're not asking this particular question for reasons that I guess at that point were unknown to her. When does Detective Grew d d discover the directive or the internal um, directive not to ask the question? September, I think it was in September of 2021, she had been ordered to not talk about the vaccine in any way, shape or form in the unit. She had been ordered to not talk about it. Her, she alone or uh, office-wide order? Everybody. Okay. What's the evidence, if I may just be the, you know, the neurotic individual, what, that, there's a memo that says that, that is, that has been adduced as evidence in the disciplinary hearing? There is, it's an email, an email to Detective Groves, yes. And, and uh, the prosecution is fighting like crazy to not let anything like this in. So as, as evidence, so, but Detective Groose saw these bodies, did some work, found out that these, these cases were not properly investigated. And she also knew from the files that there's no information at all as to indicate whether the mothers were vaccinated or not. Mm -hmm. So on January 30th, 2022, she phoned up one of the fathers the police didn't know about this call until Detective Groose revealed it in an interview in May. She has nothing to hide. She was doing a good job. But in January, January 30th, 2022, Detective Groose called up one of the fathers. Hi, Detective Groose here. I'm, I'm sorry to hear what happened to your son. I'm looking into the death. And um, I just wanted to ask you, um, was... Do you think this, first of all, has the mother been vaccinated at all for anything? And they had what had the evidence is, was a very nice talk, very, very cordial. And the father appreciated the call. Of course he appreciated the call. You know, someone cared about what happened to my son when he died, 
we have no answers. And, and so the, the, the parent appreciated that call and that's in evidence. And he didn't complain. May I ask the obvious question? What, what was his answer to the question? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, and we, we don't know the names of the parents. There's a publication ban mm -hmm. on the names of the parents and the deceased infants. And I agree with that. That's, that's a, that's fine. So, and, uh, also there are some medical details that the court is ordering, uh, you know, that will be withheld. Don't speak about that, et cetera. Um, some of those I, I'm in disagreement with because it's, it's, <coughs> it's very, it's very valid, valid, excuse me, very relevant. But I mean, look, we could just go with, we could just go with standard uh, statistics demographics. This is the greater Ottawa area. That is her, uh, her geographic uh, area. It is uh, the area that is policed by the Ottawa Police Service. So and that could, includes Canada to the West yeah, and such. Yes. We, we could just assume the vaccination rate is, is 85 to 90% of at least one shot, probably more. And so chances are that eight and a half or nine of the parents, or like I said, it'll be seven or eight of the parents were vaccinated just, just by, by absolute math. Um, so she's doing this. She calls up the, the father. This is unknown to the um, investigative team or her superiors until when? I presume they discover that and then, and then start disciplining her? No, no, no. As a matter of fact, they never knew that she phoned up a parent until May when they interviewed her and she said everything that she did. What happened was in late January, some of her colleagues that's a guess on my part, but it's not too far, too much of a guess, complained about her, saying that she had, uh, that she had looked at their files or was launching this investigation, and somehow they, they discovered that, and they complained about it. Now, on February 3rd, 2022, Detective Groose was suspended by the Ottawa police without pay for refusing to declare her medical status, her vaccination status. She refused to say, she said, that's my, my private uh, business. And I refuse to say whether I'm vaccinated or not. And for that, uh, she was suspended without pay. <clears throat> the next day, she was suspended with pay because they had launched this internal investigation against her. And the investigation was about two things. One, that she disobeyed a lawful order. And two, that she had self-initiated an investigation mm -hmm. unauthorized, which is almost hilarious to any police officer who hears that phrase. But now she's suspended without pay for the, for not getting the jab, but suspended with pay for the investigation. Does that mean that the suspended with pay trumps the suspended without pay or is she just not getting paid now? Um, the suspended with pay trumps the without okay. pay. So she, at least, at least she gets a fringe benefit of being paid while they investigate her. And so, well, well, it's interesting. She was paid for the entire, uh, the end of the winter and the summer. And then they, they charged her and they started having hearings in August and in September. And I, I do have a little bit of inside track on this because police officers, uh, they let me know. I have some sources. Uh, they let me know what happened. 
Um, they've got a wonderful detective, top-notch, who was going to be promoted, sent to homicide, and she's sitting at home managing the hockey team, <laughs> her kid's hockey team. Uh, she's forbidden from doing anything. Uh, and they said, well, let's get her back to work. So in October, even though the charges were still happening, she was ordered back to work. And I think she's in maybe, I think I heard robbery squad. I, I can't remember, something like that. Yeah. So she's still a detective, still doing these cases, still doing a wonderful job. But I guess somebody caught into the fact that, hey, she's getting, you know, she's sitting at home. And maybe, well, there's a feeling, there's a split in the upper level executives of the Ottawa police. We shouldn't have charged her. We should just let it go and just just get on with her life. But there's also, um, there's also in the upper level, uh, people who are of very high rank pushing this. That much we know. So when does she formally get, I don't know, not charged is not the right word. When does she face disciplinary actions formally? On May 12th, 2022, she had a compelled interview. She had to, she had to talk. She had to reveal. And she had no problem. We heard the entire recording first day of the trial, first day of the hearing, August 14th, 2023. We heard this uh, three-hour recording where she explained to the interviewing sergeant uh, Sergeant Arbuthnot, uh, who, who is the professional standards investigator who laid the charge against her. And uh, he told her a couple of things happened there. It was an amazing interview. First of all, he told her that she was going to be charged not with the disobeying an order because she didn't disobey any order. She simply didn't. Police are allowed to look at these files. They do it all the time. For professional reasons, if you do it for personal reasons, well, that's something else. But both, both the uh, both the professional standards and the trials, the hearing officer have already declared that she didn't didn't look at these files for personal reasons. They said there's no evidence to indicate that she looked at them for personal reasons. Well, I don't think so. She was preparing an investigative report for the chief, and she passed that report over to the professional standards uh, officer who was interviewing her in May. And it, it has uh, the Pfizer documents in it. it it's in a, uh, by what we heard in court, and I haven't seen it, I'm trying to obtain it. It's quite the report detailing why this is a criminal investigation. And um, so, so, so that's what happened. Nonetheless, she was charged with one count of discreditable conduct for launching an unauthorized investigation and for for um, uh, calling that parent, that one parent, which they didn't know about until she said, and I called the parent on January 30th. Oh, they, they must have been licking their chops when she revealed that. Why? In, she was allowed to do no, it. There's, just, there's, there's no property in a witness. You know that, Viva. Well, I, no, no, I, I've, never, I, I've never done any criminal. So I, this is, as, as far as jurisdiction goes, new sure. to me. But there, there's a basic amount of logic in all of this. She's investigating the death of the kid, uh, an infant. The parents want answers unless they're in on it. And then that's part of the investigation as well. If they don't want to answer, I presume that's you know a, a red flag. 
she submitted the report. Do I do I surmise or do I understand that we don't know the she has not disclosed the results of her report and that is definitely um, confidential for the time being? Oh, we know the results of the report. We absolutely know it. We know that that sergeant, Arbuthnot, put it in his drawer, informed nobody, and did nothing. He is in neglect of duty, as far as I am concerned. Were I his supervisor, and I supervise people like him, and uh, I supervised uh, internal investigations, and I did them myself, were I his supervisor, I would be looking to charge him with neglect of duty for receiving evidence about sudden infant deaths and doing nothing about it. But do... Do we, do we, we don't, we don't know what the answer was for the parents. How many of them took the jab within, within what proximity that information is not known. We don't know that it would be in that report. Okay. Um, so she finally faces one charge, one, one count of discreditable, discreditable conduct. Mm -hmm. How many days has this hearing been going on for? First of all, she served with notice of increased penalty. They want to fire her if she's convicted. The hearings, which were the discovery hearings, started in August of 2022. They moved into the fall. They were all online. And when they went online so that the public could see it, none other than famous New York Police Department detective Frank Serpico took an interest in this case, and he proclaimed that this was a wonderful thing, that the Ottawa police were being so transparent with this case as to broadcast this internal hearing to the world on the internet. That stopped in January of 2023, and Frank Serpico now says that there's a cover-up going, and that uh, his, his quote, words to the effect, that criminality and incompetence will go to any length to cover up, quote, even at the expense of innocent infant lives, unquote. That's Frank Serpico. You know, Al Pacino played in the movie. Mm -hmm. They didn't make a movie about me. How about you? Not yet. Our, our respective lives are not yet over. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, Okay, so hold on. So, so they, they give her one disciplinary charge, a uh, heightened sanction that she gets fired if convicted. That's right. The um, evidence, and, and, and we started, <clears throat> excuse me, there were hearings uh, throughout the spring of this year, 2023, and they started, they, the police, started to hide evidence and file documents from journalists and the public. They even lied about a decision by the hearings officer. There was a, 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 a motion filed in December 2022. In January 2023, the hearings officer made a decision public and, and, and uh, published that decision to all in, in, included. Uh, as late as April of 2023, the Ottawa police were denying that the motion had been, uh, or that the decision had been reached, and they even put on their website that it hadn't been reached. What was what was the motion? 
the motion was uh, was a motion about what evidence would be allowed. It was just a, a regular discovery uh, motion, but there were a couple of things in it that were very contentious. One was during the convoy in February of 2022, the Ottawa Police Service wiretapped Detective Groose and her family. They did it under the urgent emergency provisions of the criminal code. Now, there's two ways of doing a wiretap. I spent a year after a motorcycle accident uh, down at intelligence with the OPP and RCMP in Toronto doing nothing but wiretaps. And there are two ways of getting a wiretap. You get all your evidence together. You swear affidavits. You go before a judge and you swear this is all true. And we want to do a wiretap and the judge will give you the order. And there are parameters what you can and cannot do. But there's another way, urgent emergency. This is designed for when we have a hostage, when we have an abduction, when we have a murder that's going to happen and we desperately need uh, to wiretap these, these vicious criminals. You go to a judge and you say just that, Your Honor, we have a murder. We have something very important going to happen. Here's the wiretap we need. Please give it to me. I'll be back in 36 hours with the evidence. The Ottawa police used that. They used the, the convoy as an excuse to wiretap Detective Groose and her family and then never came back with the evidence. They just did it for 36 hours to see what they could see. But wait, there's more, Viva. They knew, the Ottawa police knew, that at the end of the wiretap, Detective Groose would be receiving a formal notice that she and her family had been wiretapped. It was intimidation. It was punishment. It was nothing less than that. It was disgusting. It was illegal. And they did it. Boy, they sure don't want her looking at any relationship between the jabs and infant deaths, do they? Uh, was the date of the tap, uh, did it coincide <clears throat> with um, the Emergencies Invocation or did it have nothing to do with the Invocation of the Emergencies Act? I don't recall the exact date, whether it was before or after the Invocation of the Emergencies Act. I'll find, I'll, no, I'll no, let just, you know for next time. Just just wondering if they abused of that as to say, look how urgent it is. They, now, the other thing is we, we use the term colloquially wiretap, but very few people have landlines that get tapped the way they used to do it back when it was called wiretap. What did they, do you know what they did to surveil her S cell phone, email? Oh, sure, sure I do. I, I know all about it. I live this life and I've even been associated with some wiretaps uh, as a civilian. So here's the way it is. A wiretap these days is everything. If you have a landline, that's there. If you have an internet phone, that's there. Your text, your cell phone, your mobile phone, both your work and your, your civilian phone, your own phone. But you know, you know, I I did this I did this for more than a year. And I can, I can tell you there were some real surprises for me. I, I was so naive, 23-year-old, go down. You don't know that across the street and two doors down, that neighbor that 
you wave to every day when, you know, they go to work and everything and they put their kids on the bus. Then they go inside and they plot murder. I mean, you just don't, you just don't know that, but you get to know the family too. I, I knew on one case where we were listening, I knew that the daughter was pregnant three months before she told her parents. I knew in another case that grandmother uh, kept a bottle of vodka in the garden shed for those days when she couldn't meet up with her methamphetamine dealer. I mean, I heard people discussing, send their kids off to school, and then they would discuss how they're going to rape a baker's daughter to get him to pay the protection money that he has refused to pay. So, I mean, this is really intense. So think of your family and, and the people who are watching now. Think of your family. Think of your kids. Think of your friends. Think of all the things you say on the, on the phone or sitting at your kitchen table. We even had a wiretap over, over a couple's bed one time. Mm -hmm. All authorized. But think of all that. Everything laid bare. We listened as a son told his father that he had caught the mother in bed when he came home early from school with the neighbor. Okay, that's what, that's what wiretaps are all about. And that's why they are, are so closely controlled. And they did that to Detective Groose and a lot of people on the Freedom Convoy. And not in one case did they find any evidence that led to charges for either Detective Groose or anyone else. But also, not in one case did they come back with evidence to extend that warrant. Or to, it, or to even ju justify, or justify it. It was just sheer intimidation and a police state. And uh, yeah, they seized bank accounts too. But hey, how about them Blue Jays? So they, they wiretapped, Groove. Th this comes out yes. during the disciplinary hearing. That, that that's right on that motion that they didn't want the mm -hmm. public the, the police didn't want the public or journalists like me um to to know that detective Groose had been wiretapped and finally we found out but they actually lied to us and posted it on their website they lied to the people of canada by posting it on their website that the that the Trials officer had not yet made a determination, and it was coming in Mar March or April. Uh, incredible, incredible! It's all political. Well, I don't think there's much doubt about that. And you know, when they when they're building their Moderna Gigafactory in Laval, and they don't want they don't want anything that might um, put the, the the a stick in the spokes of that uh, uh, gravy train for the pharma company. Um, how many days has the hearing been at total so far? Okay. I'm going to leave out all the hearings that, that led up to what we'll call the trial portion. Yeah. The, the hearing. Well, I mean, if, if there's anything specifically important in all of the pre-hearing pre pre hearings, what, what were, was anything more important than the discovery that she had been wiretapped? Well, the fact, yes, there, there were a lot of things happened in those hearings. Um, we, you know, the overview is the prosecution is doing everything it can to deny 
the defense team the ability to make an effective defense. And they're doing that in a number of ways. But prior to the hearing starting, one was denying evidence. Oh, here's one for you. You're going to, you're going to love this. When detective groups, well, you know, all police officers have memo books, right? They write every day what they do. They go to a crime scene. They flip open the memo book. And just the facts, ma'am. You know, they, they write it down. Those are your personal notes. I had hundreds of memo books. And they're kept every day, even if it's just to say 8 a.m. arrive office, work on reports all day, 4, 4 p.m. go home. But you can imagine a homicide. You can write 100 pages at a homicide investigation. So these are your personal notes. Detective Gruse had personal notes that are around the time of when she was doing these investigations and specifically when she called this one parent on January 30th, 2022. The, the hearing officer is denying Detective Groose her memo books from those days. How can she make an effective defense no, without I mean, the memo books from those days. It sounds like maybe even a perjury trap where they're going to get her to contradict based on not remembering something in the book and then say, mm. look what you wrote here, even though we didn't give it to you so that you could refresh your own memory. It's insanity. Holy crap. I mean, this is funny. Let me, I imagine the CBC, I know that there's been some coverage, but has there been any meaningful coverage of this, of this uh, hearing? The CBC. <laughs> How many, hour, how many hours do we have here, Viva? <laughs> All right, look, I'll tell you about the CVC and uh, what was called the Shimini Shakedown. Shimini Yogaratnam is a journalist with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the CBC, in Ottawa. And she's on the police beat, has been for years. And uh, so she has reported on these disciplinary hearings and, and has done so. And, and that, that's her, her beat. So here's what happened. Detective Groose was suspended. And around March 24th, um, Shamini Yogaratnam, the CBC, came to the Ottawa police and said, I know all about Detective Groose and the internal investigations. I know that she went into the coroner's records. And I know all this because I have internal sources. Now, uh, she later revealed that she had two police internal sources. And don't forget, these officers corruptly and illegally provided to her confidential police information provided to CBC's report, CBC and the reporter Shamini Yogaretnam. And she eventually published two articles, one on uh, March 28th, 2022, a Monday, and then a couple of days later, another article. And she was also on a radio show Monday morning, which I recorded. And, and all of those are evidence. Believe you me, they are evidence of criminality. And um, not against Detective Bruce, but against these corrupt officers who betrayed their oath of office. We have a feeling who one of those officers is, but we'll get to that. There is some mm -hmm. testimony. Uh, 
But what happened is a few days before that article was published, Shimini comes to the police, Ottawa Police Service, and she says, I'm going to publish this article in 24 hours. Have you contacted all the involved parents? Which is to say, you have 24 hours to contact all of the parents of these nine sudden infant deaths or they're going to find out on from my article. That's a threat. It is extortion. It is uh, completely taking over the police investigation. Don't forget, there was an internal police investigation against Detective Bruce. They were interviewing witnesses. They had their plan. They had their timeline. And then the CBC came in and said, you jump, and the Ottawa police said, how high? Uh, but you said that they had in, internal information that she accessed the coroner's reports of, mm -hmm. the, of, the, of the babies. Did, not that I will judge one way or the other. Did she? Okay. That's what, <clears throat> excuse me. That is what the police sources told to Shimini Yogaretnam and the CBC, mm -hmm. and that is the false um, that is the false uh, information that they published at the heart of their entire story. It was false. It was defamatory. They, they uh, said that Detective Groves had gone to the coroner's and had illegally, improperly accessed coroner's records, and that was an absolute lie. And so the CBC has not written a word about the case since, I believe, March 29th, 2022. All of, the, all of the hearings leading up to, they didn't attend. Oh, uh, well, we'll finish this topic first. All of the hearings, they didn't attend. In August, when the trial, the hearing, the trial portion of the hearing started, Monday and Tuesday, CBC didn't attend. We called them out. It, it, I'm going to tell you, this is absolutely, I'm just, you know, I'm, and as much as I can not fact check, but just, you know, verify my own as you speak, mm. Donald. Mm. Detective tried to uncover vaccine status of dead children's parents. Sources say March 28, 2020. I put in Helen Gruce, I may have CBC. You got True North report, reporting on this in August. March 31st, 2022, CBC. And then I <clears> go down <throat> and... Don't find anything Look, as of March 2022. Go to cbc.ca and type in her name and you'll get, you, you will get three hits. I did this just two days ago. Three hits. There's the two articles and the radio show. That's it. Since March of 2022, they've done nothing. So we called them out. We said, you're cowards. Where are you? You throw this journalistic hand grenade into the room. You falsely accuse this, this wonderful, diligent police officer. You can at least come and, 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 and cover the story and correct your errors. And they never came. So on, on uh, August 16th, 2023, just this past August, on the third day of the, the hearing, a nice young man from CBC showed up driving a CBC car. He stayed for a few few hours. We tried to interview him. He said, I was told not to give any interviews. Ha! Yeah. And then he went away. 
and wrote and published and broadcast nothing. So again, we just went through another five days starting October 30th and just ending past this past Friday, uh, the 3rd, November 3rd. And the CBC were once again absent, as was the Ottawa Citizen. They had written, uh, also published. Uh, mainstream media was not there. Who was there? Well, there was Rebel, Rebel News, True North, Jane, Jason Unruh. Rebel News was Robert uh, Krasik. I was there. Jason Levine was there. A couple other people, all independent journalists. Not one mainstream propaganda media attended. Amazing. Okay. Can I tell you why this case is so important and why it's getting attention internationally? Well, beyond the obvious, I mean, A, the correlate. Well, let, let me take a guess. I don't think internationally people are going to care about internal Canadian corruption, although Canadians should. No. Internationally, I mean, it's going to be the correlation between the jab and, and, and a spike or an uptick in infant mortality. Uh, That's I one. Presume. Yeah. Yeah. But really. Yes. But really what it's about is this, Viva. In our society, are police officers going to be free to investigate whatever, whatever person, whatever situation, whatever they want to, without interference, according to their oath of office and their duty and their professional judgment? Are they going to be able to to do that because that is the bedrock that is that is the absolute way we have set up under the pelian principles of policing the police are the community the community are the police the police are independent agents of of in our case his majesty the the king um uh but they they have great autonomy because the other way of doing it is doing it like india where a police officer wants to investigate a local business for whatever crime or offense is happening, and you have to go up the chain of command to see if that person is politically protected. So in Canada and the United States and the United Kingdom and Australia and, and throughout the world, there is great interest in this case because it goes to the central question. Are police going to be free to investigate crime as their duty and, and their authority dictates and their professional judgment? Or will they be controlled by corporations and politicians? And that's exactly what we have here in the Detective Bruce case. How many days has the hearing on the merits of the disciplinary, uh, the discipline been? How, how many days now, give or take? 10 days in two five-day periods, one in August, one that just ended last Friday, November 3rd. Uh, what we've heard is, is uh, all the prosecution's case is in now, but there were two witnesses that the prosecution did not call. Hold on. It took 10 days to get the prosecution's case in? Yes. Now, there were some arguments. Yeah, yeah, for sure, there, for sure. There were some arguments, and there were days which were caught up in, in, in arguments. And also, the I mean, oh, okay, here we go. On the last day in, of the August hearings, the visitors gallery and the journalists were, it was just jaw dropping. We heard that the prosecutor 
who had recently been put on this case in, I think, January of 2023. Everything before that was another prosecutor. Now, the Ottawa police, they have a stable of prosecutors. Some are employees. Some they just bring in to prosecute these cases. And, and that's the way it's done. And so this is a, an employee, this new prosecutor. Uh, her name is Vanessa Stewart. And she was brought in in January to prosecute this case. And in August, on the last day, after a week of, of horrendous misconduct on the, on the part of the prosecutor, and I'll, we can get into that in another show, a true, uh, I mean, she uses objection as a weapon. She has weaponized objections to prevent the, the police or to prevent the, the, the defense from uh, putting in their case. But we heard that one of the main prosecution witnesses on the stand who was being cross-examined and that the, that the prosecutor was objecting to every 30 seconds, sometimes even before the defense team got a question out of their mouth, objection. It was her sister-in-law. It's a family member. Now, people in the audience, they might not realize how how incredible this is. It's an, an incredible conflict because when you have a prosecutor who is a family member to one of the main witnesses, it means that that prosecutor, instead of having justice in mind, wants to protect their family member. And that's exactly what happened. And then we were even more horrified to learn that the trials officer had known about this and had actually issued an order that this was okay. And that she promised the, 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 the prosecutor she had promised to, to promise to be objective. <laughs> no, she promised that she wouldn't discuss the case with her sister-in-law. You know, like <laughs> when they're over for a barbecue, they promise they won't discuss. And that she wouldn't have anything to do with the cross-examination of her sister-in-law. So they had another lawyer, Bonnie Cho, in there. Very nice lady. Um, respectful and polite. And so they had that in there. But in the middle of that, this, this the, her sister-in-law gets up and starts objecting and interfering, contrary to even the order that the hearings officer had made. Who, who's the judge in this? Uh, He's not a judge. <laughs> sorry, sorry. He, it's a commissioner or a commissaire. Okay, he is administrative. A, it's an administrative. All right. Yeah, it's administrative regulatory tribunal. Okay. Okay. So there are no rules. That's pretty well the way it is. The uh, the hearings officer is uh, a Mr. Chris Renwick. He used to be a superintendent with the Ottawa Police. I want to tell you about him. Now, first of all, the fact that he reached a superintendent rank means he's politically connected. Uh, and by that, I mean, you don't get up that far. I mean, that's only a hop, hop and a jump from deputy chief and chief. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't get up that far unless you're one of the guys and girls. Um, okay, so that's it. But how was he as a cop? You know, I've looked into that. And I have received absolutely the best reports on on this officer as a street cop he was superb as a leader 
as a you know as a sergeant, as a team leader, as he worked his way up as an inspector and then a superintendent, absolutely top notch, so well respected, and and you know there's a few people in the hierarchy of any organization or business or law firm who got there not by merit, right? They got there because they're one of the boys or they, you know, they're a ring knocker. That's a Mason or they're a Catholic or what, or a member of the hockey team, whatever, however people uh, leverage their way in. But this guy was good on the street, a copper's cop. And so I've got nothing bad to say about superintendent retired Chris Renwick. But he has absolutely no legal training, none. And the cases that he usually handles are police officers who are pleading to neglect of duty because they fell asleep drunk behind the police station in a police car. I mean, that's the level of case that we usually have here. This is a case that is tremendously important. The case law, the evidence, I mean, we're, we have the defense trying to, trying to get expert medical evidence in, expert legal evidence about the regulatory uh, uh, regime behind approval of purchase and approval of vaccines. Uh, we have expert police evidence about uh, police officers' authorization and what and what it means. Everything I've been speaking about, and and by the way, none of that has been allowed yet. There's a we heard arguments, and the the court ha or the hearing officer has not decided on that. But the bottom line is, this hearing is out of control. Uh, Superintendent Renwick, whatever great cop he was, is totally out of his depth here for the legal issues and also to control this this prosecutor who is violating every rule uh just just to let you know the the defense counsel who is very respect respect both of them it's a blair actor and Bathsheba vandenberg and you may have seen them especially her at um at the National Citizens Inquiry and the Emergency yeah. Inquiry. I mean, they're they're just they are top notch. Um, if if I got charged, I I'd want them. Right? I really what I've seen is just incredible. They are the best. They're respectful. This prosecutor is disrespectful to the trials officer saying things like, I know you have no experience in this. And, and uh, it, it, I, I mean, it's just contempt, direct contempt. She's contemptuous of everybody. I'm not exaggerating. When I write some articles next week, they'll have quotes in it. I know you'll just be, be aghast at, at some of the conversation that went on. But the defense counsel, he's trying to cross-examine one of the main witnesses who, by the line of questioning, we can tell is suspected for being one of the corrupt cops who gave the information to the CBC. I won't go into the details, mm. but I will in one of my articles next week. I mean, that it's all there. Anyway, he stands up and he says to the hearing officer, sir, you know, you can disallow prosecution's objections. You don't have to side with her every single time. 
That's how frustrating it was. Um, so prosecution or the prosecution has made its case. Now it's going to go into the defense. What has, well, first of all, how much time is scheduled for the defense? Four days okay. in January, January. And what, what has been in your view, the most, um, incredible piece of evidence that has been allowed as evidence thus far? Well, first of all, the prosecution has no case. They have no case. They really have no case. Uh, it's all innuendo. It's all trying to say that that the officer's intent. Uh, oh, and they had a wonderful discussion. They, uh, that that um, the the prosecution introduced an element of mens rea, guilty mind, into the offense, which is not. It, it doesn't depend on the mind. It is a strict liability offense. They either did it or they didn't. To read the charge paper, you would know via, via there, there's no offense laid out. It just says that she was discreditable because she launched an unauthorized investigation and called, called, called one of the parents. Well, what's discreditable about that? And it's one of the defense lawyers asked the man who who laid the charge, he says, and that was uh, Sergeant Arbuthnot, he says he decided that on his own. I don't buy that, but he laid the charge. And defense said to him, what is discreditable about what Detective uh, uh, Groose did? And he opened his mouth and the prosecution yelled, objection! Uh, and objection calls for legal opinion. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, and one of the, uh, I mean, incredible, when uh, Detective Anderson, the one who's suspected of, of, of uh, you know, turning the information over to the CBC, it was incredible because she wrote a report that contained the almost exact language that appeared in the newspaper. I mean, phrase by phrase, yeah. it was just so, oh, and by the way, it was her case that was mentioned in the newspaper. So Detective Anderson investigated one of these infant deaths, and it just so happened that that case was mentioned in the newspaper and that the specific uh, comments that appeared in Detective Anderson's report about Detective Groose were repeated almost verbatim, and that's what and that's what the defense was asking this this officer. So asked them about that, and the prosecutor got up and stormed out of the court. What? I, I mean, this is this is out of control. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's these administrative hearings typically go. I, Donald, I had a régie du logement, a, a, a rental board <clears throat> hearing. Yes. that ended up going on for 20, 20 days, give or take, over about over a year. I think I want to say twenty some odd days over eighteen months, out of control. And these administrative justices, they don't have to be lawyers by training, and it's you know, it's it's what it is. Okay, and just we'll t we'll tie a bow in it before because uh, we got to get to the coots for sure. Um, how is Helen doing in all of this? She doesn't make any public statements? She doesn't. Uh, she and her, her uh, lawyers do not talk to the press. I've tried. Um, Rebel News has tried. Everybody's tried. They simply don't talk to the press. And, and okay. For the better. 
Yeah, probably the better. There's a wonderful photo, uh, which is now on her uh, fundraising site, and it's on my website too, Donald, donaldbest.ca. The first day of the, the trial portion, August 14th, she had 20 or 30 people, citizens and fellow police officers, gathered in front of the place where the court, where the hearing was going to be held. And uh, it was the prayer photo, wasn't it? It was the said. prayer photo. I, you I know, a, see, you know the one. Here, this the, one right here. That That's it. And that's sort of a condensed version of it. Yeah. But that's the one. And you know, the judge, the trials officer, walked by at that very minute. And everybody just kind of thought, yeah, well, you know, that was arranged. I mean, uh, you know, say what you will about God, say what you will about it. That was such a powerful moment. And frankly, one of the most powerful photos it's ever been my honor to take. I, and uh, I, there's no talent there. I just let her rip on multiple photos. Before, you know, there, before, there it is. Yeah, and before I share this and before I give to this, <clears throat> let me just make sure this is the right one. This is the correct one for anybody who wants to help with Helen's uh, legal defense. That's it, right okay. there. I'm going to put that in the, so it's actually just forward slash Helen Grews. Let me just do that again. Yep. Yep, perfect. Forward, uh, givesendgo.com forward slash Helen Grews. And I'll share that in the chat. Do we ever find out what the what what the content of the conclusion of her investigation was as to the status of these parents? Or are we going to get to find that out? Do you think? Why I mean, that, I, that could be leaked? That that if there's anything that gets leaked, that could be leaked. Well, first of all, yes, we have to worry about the parents, and the parents are being re-traumatized <clears throat> now that all of this is in the public. Who did that? Not Detective Groves. But the CBC and Shamini Yogaratnam, they, in conjunction with their corrupt police sources, are solely responsible for the re-traumatization of the parents who, who now have to think of, of what happened again and their child's death is caught up in this controversy. There was no need of that. No need of that at all. Um, but somebody broke the law to make that happen. And... Detective, oh, we heard this. Detective Groose wrote a request, an email. Please investigate this crime of who leaked this information, this confidential information, who broke their oath, who interfered, obstructed police and interfered with an ongoing investigation. Please investigate that. And the professional standards wrote back and said, no. That's it. Rules for thee, but not for me. Or rules for some, but not for others. Obviously, they're protecting friends. Mm -hmm. Look, I've been around. They're protecting friends. All right, well, we're going to have to do a part two to this when uh, when the defense closes and when the, the, the commissioner, whoever the judge is, the administrative jury guy, is going to take a year to write a report, write his decision. There's going to be no question about that. It'll take forever. Oh, I believe the decision's already written. Interesting. Um, okay, I'll see. I'll see. Hold on. Actually, before I before we move on, let me let me get to some. There's three rumble rants here. Hold on. I'm gonna put it on pause and then bring these in, and then we're gonna you're gonna give us the update in the Coots Four. My my uh, the crowd will know more about the the Coots Four because uh, I've talked about it a bit. Sadwings raging says totalitarian thugs is what they are, 
Digger88 says the best things only to come from Canada are Viva and Rush. Well, BTO, what is that? Oh, Backman Turner Overdrive is okay. Well, but that's it. Oh, yeah, I was going to say uh, Jim Carrey, but he's gone off the deep end. And Finboy Slick says it must be so hard to be a good cop when you just know at some point you're going to become inconvenient for the bad ones. Makes me think of Serpico. And then we ended up talking about Serpico. Yep. Okay. Um, and you're covering this day in and day out. You're going to every day of the hearing? Every day of the hearing. I've been there. I'll be back in January. Um, I, th I think the case, this Detective Groose case, is just so vital because at stake here is a fundamental uh, concept of how we run police in this country. Do the police, the individual officers, do they act according to their duty, according to their oath, or are they bought and paid for and directed by the politicians and by corporations? And if they don't comply, they'll be punished like detective groups. Can you imagine wiretapping her and her family, knowing that she would get that notice and her family would get that notice. It was just sheer intimidation. And it was nothing but the system punishing her to deter any other police officers who might want to draw a connection, who might think that there's a criminal case to be made. And believe you me, there is a criminal case to be made. Um, and it's coming. But I mean, uh, there I, we go. I've got to ask the, it's the, it's the, I, uh, I'm going to ask, I mean, how can people support you? Because you're doing this and, and people are entitled to survive, um, you know, make a living off the hard work that they're doing. How can people support you? Well, thank you very much. Uh, on Twitter, X, you can subscribe to me for $3 a month. And for $3 a month, once a week, you'll get a little something that someone doesn't. You'll get some, some uh, pre-notice about major articles and investigations that I'm covering. And it helps me out. Uh, you know, we went through on each of the trips to Ottawa, it was about $2,000 in hotel fees and gas and, and uh, $3 once a month would really help with, with things like that. But, uh, are, you know, are you, are you the, the naughty book on Twitter? Because I'm, I'm, I'm following you. If I'm not mistaken, I'm, I, I, I know that I'm following you. Yes. But when I put your name in the search bar, I put in Donald's. And Trump comes up, Byron Donalds, Donald Trump Jr., Heather McDonald. Then I put in Donald Best. You're still not up there. And there seems to be a unofficial, it says CA underscore not 66862, which says Donald Best do not comply. And I got to put in Donald Best CA, and you still don't come up. And well, I that do not comply is, is me. That's my motto. Uh, but what my Twitter handle is at Donald Best CA. Okay. Doesn't come, it, it doesn't is. come up without without you know, substantial search. So I'm going to yeah. put that in the... Uh... Well, okay. they, they kicked me off Facebook too. Uh, I didn't really have a presence there. I just had a placeholding site. But apparently what I was saying on other venues bothered them so much that they permanently shut down my account. Okay. Uh, Facebook is... Uh, I, I understand people make good money off Facebook, but it's, it's, it's a bad place. Sure. Okay, now, uh, so we're going to follow up on that. You'll come back for the part two. Uh, I guess briefly, I don't know, are, are, the crowd is up to speed with the Coots 4. The Coots 4 are the men who were charged with uh, 
hum, uh, attempt, what was it, a plot to commit homicide, conspiracy to commit homicide against an RCMP officer. I've showed that picture of the stash of firearms multiple times. I just realized how, how th that article said they found firearms and a machete. And I was like, my goodness, I got, a, I got like multiple machetes <laughs> lying across the house. Um, everybody knows the Coots 4. There are four men. They're on remand. They're not even in jail. They haven't been convicted. Pre-trial detention, denied bail uh, for the conspiracy to commit murder against an RCMP officer. The evidence consists of no notes taken from this apparently young woman officer who met with one of the, one of the dudes over beers. They may have talked a big game and then they get charged with murder. Uh, attempted murder, conspiracy to commit murder. This was the basis that served as, you know, the linchpin of the invocation of the Emergencies Act. It certainly served as the foundation to Commissioner Rouleau ratifying Justin Trudeau's invocation of the Emergencies Act. The mystery envelope is where we sort of left off the last time. And I, let me see, I hope the chat is, that's enough of a, a summary for the chat. Um, what's, what's, what's the latest? I mean, you're following that as well. Well, okay. First of all, there's coming on, I believe it's November 8th, very soon, a decision to be made as to whether there is enough fresh evidence to review the bail of one of the men. So it's not a bail review, but it, was a, it will be a decision as to whether there's enough fresh evidence. Okay. Now, about the envelope... Here's what I can tell you about the envelope. When the envelope first came on the scene, it was because in court, the defense lawyers came in and the Crown Prosecutor, who had been uh, Stephen Johnson, I think is his name. I might be subject to correction there. He was not there. And we heard that, that there was an accidental disclosure of information from the Crown to the defense and that what was disclosed is in this, in, in this sealed envelope. And there were questions about privilege between the Crown and the RCMP. The word crime fraud was used. The word corruption was used. One of the lawyers stated quite clearly that the Crown was at the very least a witness in a criminal proceeding and may well be an accused. What a defendant, what? Holy smokes. And that's what we heard. And then there was a series of, of, of hearings that were not published, that were closed, that were behind closed doors where the accused were not even allowed to be present. Only the defense lawyers. And then, and here's where I get into trouble. Um, one, a number of independent media were in and around the courts that day. And apparently there is some sort of a prohibition, maybe, with talking about whether there's been a decision or not. And somebody published something. And because of that, the very next day in court, there was a warning that, that people were in contempt of a certain court order. And now all of us are frightened 
to talk about what that decision uh -huh. might have been. Even though I know that decision, other people have been cautioned for, well, frankly, even saying that a decision had been made. Maybe it hasn't been made yet. I just don't know. Um, I, I don't know what to tell this you. Is, is, it, no, it's especially, and now, you know, full loop back to your history, having hmm. been locked up for 63 days for contempt. I, uh, you don't want to faff, you, you don't want to faff, as we say, F around, find out. Holy crap. But you know what, actually, it's, it's, you know, the publication ban on the potential justice dies in darkness but there was actually a big question donald um and i saw it on twitter this morning jeremy mckenzie raising the issue about the legal defense mm -hmm. funds that have been raised by the in the name of the four defendants seems that a substantial amount of money has been raised for the defense fund mm -hmm. for the four or three of the four for the four defendants three of them seem to be represented by legal aid as you'll correct me if i'm wrong on that number and the question is what the hell happened with all the money? Where is it going? And are people being wamboozled out of their donations that are not necessarily going to where they thought they were going? I know nothing about this other than the fact that I saw Jeremy McKenzie's tweet, your response, and uh, I don't know what I don't even know what the what the what the controversy is. I didn't know there was an issue in the first place. So flesh that out for those who really want to know the answer to this. Okay, and once again, this is a bigger story than just the coots, the four coots accused Eva. It's a bigger story because we have dozens of political prisoners in Canada. Even if they're not in jail now, they were charged politically. I think the last count that uh, Jason Levine, by the way, uh, Jason Levine, I do the Levine show with him every morning, Monday to Friday. And he was really responsible for bringing my attention to the fact that at that time, the four coups accused had been in prison. Uh, in remand prison for 490 days at that time when we started looking at it. And I, I, I could, Jason came to me and I said, I, I just can't believe this. I mean, we have an alleged cop killer out on bail in Toronto uh -huh. and these four decent men. And, and really, I mean, I've looked into the, the whole thing and uh, I have a, I have an article on my website uh, donaldbest.ca, type in coots there in the search bar and you'll get it. But as a result of examining all the information and evidence that's available to us, including that table of firearms that, mm -hmm. that, that you have, I have grave doubts about the quality of the RCMP investigation. And further, I believe that the investigation, the charges, the denial of bail to the coots for they are motivated by, impacted by a political agenda. Yes. These are political prisoners. Make no mistake. Well, but uh, it, it, it was it was necessary because it was the basis that served as the justification for the invocation of the Emergencies Act. Absolutely, yeah. and and the government knew days ahead of time that this investigation was trying to get this evidence, and of course we heard about the hate gate, uh, where 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 the the intelligence reports that were given to the government were all based on a Canadian anti-hate network that was government funded that, that said there was uh, uh, this network of terrorists, right-wing redneck terrorists throughout Canada, which doesn't exist, never existed, but it was convenient. They desperately needed this arrest 
at Coots, outside of Ottawa, in order to declare the Emergencies yeah. Act. And just hours after the press conference at Coots on February 14th, 2022, the government declared the Emergencies Act, seized bank accounts, destroyed businesses, lives, homes. That's what they did. And the whole Coots thing was based on lies. It was based on, I mean, that table of evidence. There was no, they're supposedly looking for a hierarchy of this terrorist group. And they didn't protect each of the exhibits for fingerprints or DNA or against DNA con contamination. It was just, it, it was just a, a lark. Okay. Donald, Donald. I, I I don't know if you can see my cursor. I've literally got this machete, at least two. Sure, I can I, see it. Let me see the one. I, I I know I had a shotgun. It was a it was a twelve gauge. I don't see that on the table here. Oh no, they're right here, right over there. They might hmm. be that. Um, okay, it's it, and we talked about the 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 fact that they didn't individually bag each of these. That they they show it to the public day two of the investigation or day two after the charges. It, it was preposterous, outlandish, and I can go on forever. It was needed so they could invoke the Emergencies Act. It was needed so Commissioner Rulo could come to the finding that he came to. And if they nope. admit now that it was a sham, well, then that makes Commissioner Rulo look like a fool now, doesn't it? Come back, come back to the legal fees, though. What, what's, what's going on with the okay, fees? Okay, here, here's the deal. This, this uh, controversy, this questioning, has been going on for many months. And I was asked by certain people if I would do a report, if I would look into it. I said I would, and that report is pretty well complete. I've been hanging off because there's been important court dates coming, and I didn't want to interfere. I didn't want it ever said that my reporting on this issue, the funding for the Coots case, that it it um, did anything or interfered with any of the court case and court decisions and things that are happening. Well, that was fine, but a few weeks ago, people started talking about it. And of course, Jeremy McKenzie, he's not the only one. As a matter of fact, he's Johnny come lately to the party. This has been going on for a long, long time, months. And um, so I started earlier to write that report and I delayed it. But because of what's happening, I decide, I've now decided that I will publish my report on or before next Sunday, November 12th. Now, who am I to write a report like this? Well, I am an award-winning fraud investigator. And, I won and, awards and a, in the police. A decent independent journalist who, who might have information to share with the public from I, I might. I was also accredited as a certified fraud examiner. And I've handled hundreds and hundreds of cases, just one of big one just a couple of years ago in Florida uh, where we got the largest civil RICO judgment in the state history, some 269 million US dollars. And that was all based on my undercover work on four continents. Many of the cases I handle had, have millions of pages of exhibits. I've learned how to handle that, implemented systems. And this is the level that I usually work at. So I guess... I feel I'm pretty qualified to look at the available evidence and what's happened here and give a professional opinion, which why I, I try and keep arm's length and independent. So there are several people involved in the in the fundraising for the 
for the Coots uh, Four. Uh, primary is uh, Margaret McKay. And I, I want to say right here, first of all, uh, nobody should ever infer from anything that I say that I have substantiated criminal cr crimes uh, regarding this fundraising, either now or in the past, should, should never think that I've substantiated that. But there are significant red flags, and I call them to be kind red flags. Mm -hmm. If we were sitting in the uh, fraud office at 52 Division right now, we'd call them badges of fraud. Doesn't mean fraud happened. There's a lot of reasons why it could happen. But I want to say that uh, Margaret McKay, she deserves this. Uh, uh, what I'm about to say is that if it were not for her efforts, for her tireless work to represent these four accused and bring their stories to Canada and the world, I wouldn't be here. At day 490 when they were in jail, I wouldn't have heard about it except for her tireless work. So, so there's that. But my, my report is titled, Questions, Doubts, Lack of Accountability Undermine Coots Fundraising. And in short, and this is two paragraphs from my report, one, your money didn't go where you thought it did or where some of the family members thought it would or should or hoped it would go. The current accounting records are, to be polite, incomplete, and they are probably incapable of being audited with any confidence. Now, public confidence, and this is my, my mission here, is it to, to restore public confidence in, in the donating to not only the Coots Four, but all these other political prisoners were in Canada because right from the Atlantic to the Pacific, there are questions about raising money. Who raises it? How is it accounted for? What's happening? And I think, though, and back to the coots, there's a situation now where there is, as you, as you pointed out, Viva, all kinds of talk online. This, this has been going on for a long time. And it's undeniable now. So something has to be done. And there's a way of doing it. Public confidence can be quickly restored. And it's through a process that has proven successful time and time again in many similar situations where people of good intent have either made mistakes or been overwhelmed by the success of their efforts. Mm -hmm. Now, there are also some... I'm going to say pieces of evidence, and I'm not going to get into them here. People have been asking me to detail them, why I came to my opinion. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it in writing. That's only fair to everybody. People have been talking to me. Witnesses have been talking to me. Family members have been talking to me. So this is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing the best I can to write a report that does justice to to. Uh, the oath that I took when I was a police officer and my duty to my fellow Canadians now as I act as a journalist. But here I am back in with my investigator shoes on. So there are problems. They can be fixed. They need to be fixed right away. A new start 
needs to happen, and that needs to happen soon. And that includes independent oversight with uh, members of the families, plus some esteemed arm's length people from the community. There must be accounting, professional, independent accounting. And that's just to go forward. There must be a new start. There must be an agreement between the families and the accused, the four accused, as to who gets what, how much is uh, given where. And I can tell you that uh, these funds were not distributed as the people who gave the funds intended. Uh-huh. So, so be, look, we've all seen uh, hockey, hockey uh, fundraisers or bingo at the church go sideways. We've all seen that and, and things happen and, and that's the way it is. But there are rules, there are standards. And oftentimes when people come forward with good intent, they want to organize something to help that, that man who was hit in a car accident and can't walk and he's got a mortgage or whatever, whatever happens, someone got burned. We want to help people. But unless the infrastructure is already in place, professional, independent oversight, receipts, transparency, all the things which, by the way, in Alberta are mandated. Hmm. It's mandated for fundraising efforts. All those things have to be in play or it can get away. And even the best of intentions, was that cash that we got last night? Was it 525 bucks or was it 575? I can't remember. Didn't you use 50 for gas? You can just see how it happens, okay? Now, look. At any hockey fundraiser in any church in Canada, everybody puts money into the Home Depot bucket with the slit on the top. And then at the end of the night, after the speeches or during the break, everybody gathers around a table. We rip the the top off the bucket. We dump the cash out. People stand around. They put it into piles of 100. It's written on the blackboard. A receipt is made. Everybody claps. And everybody knows how much was in that bucket at that cash donation. It's not put in a kitchen cupboard with the promise it'll be counted tomorrow, right? So let me say this. There are problems. Confidence has to be restored. That's easy. And then there has to be an independent audit of the backstory so that people have uh, whatever mistakes were made, people have um, a record of what happened as best as can can be happened. But there has to be a clean start. It has to be independently supervised. It has to be with rules. There has to be professional accountants, invoices, or I'm sorry, receipts that have numbers on them. Numbers, okay? <laughs> it's pretty basic. So I hope all of that, and it's my intent that after my report and after the discussion and uh, questions like uh, Jeremy McKenzie raised, it's my hope that very soon this clean start will be presented to Canadians because let's not forget what this is all about. You know, Jerry Morin, Anthony Olenek, Christopher Carbert, Christopher Lysak, they are political prisoners in Canada and their families, their children, they're being punished too. 
and and I hope God blesses each of their families and gives each of them the strength and the wisdom that they need. But we have to have that clean start, and then people will be happy to once again contribute to these men who did nothing except stand up to a tyrannical government legally, I believe. I, I just don't believe that the evidence is there. I don't believe the evidence is there. I'm going to bring this one up and then I'm going to bring one last thing up before we uh, wind this up. Alex Davy Duke says, thank you, Mr. Best, for advocating for Detective Groose and the Coots 4. And uh, I was just looking it up in real time while we did this. Hold on. Present, share screen. Here, look at this. What do we got here? Kingsland Media release number two, Miami Jury Awards re record RICO damages after hearing evidence of endemic and systematic systemic corruption in Barbados courts and government. And here we go, a Miami jury in Florida found the plaintiffs in a civil RICO lawsuit and awarded substantial damages, yada, 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 trebled $269 plus million, a record for this type of suit. And if we go to the bottom, I did notice, scroll all the way down. Come on, where is it? Where's the evidence that had your name? Hold on, Best. There we go. Yeah. Trial exhibit, March 15th, sworn affidavit of Donald Best. So very, very, uh, very cool stuff. I'm going to put all of the links in there, Donald, uh, to you, to Gru's um, uh, fundraiser, to the Coots 4 and as much as I can find. And I'm going to put all the links in. They're going to be there. But remind everybody one more time before we head off. Where can people find you? And by the way, I'm going to continue on at Locals afterwards. I, I told Donald, ordinarily I'd end this and we'd say our proper goodbyes, but I'm going, for, I'm going to go over to Locals and have our after party there. So if anybody wants to go, go there. But where can people find you, Donald? My website, donaldbest.ca, donaldbest.ca. And my X or Twitter is at donaldbestca, at donaldbestca. And there you can subscribe that's it. That's where you find me. Oh, oh, oh hold it. Hold what? it. Hold it. Sorry. Sorry. On Rumble, The Levine Show. Jason Levine, The Levine Show. That's really important. That's where I hang out every morning for an hour or two. And we have uh, wonderful guests. And we've talked extensively about these two cases. And tomorrow, I think Jason has promised he's going to reveal something that I promised I wouldn't say right now and everybody here knows who jason levina he's been on a, a few times he was on with patriot smoothie uh hold on there's one more one more rum around just came in alex davy duke says mr best why don't you start a give send go and you can disperse that's a punishment i mean that's that's uh... Uh, no i'm not going to have anything to do with uh i presume they mean for for, for, for the coots uh, for detective Groose or the coots for yeah. detective Groose has her own gifts and go and boy she's doing really well uh she needs more because you know how expensive this is but for a long time uh nothing was happening there but really thanks to you viva and 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 a bunch of other people this is getting the attention that it deserves. That's Detective Groose. Now, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the Coots 4. I hope, I pray, that within 10 days, what, it's uh, it's now Sunday, uh, really, if they were just starting again fresh, because that's all you have to do. Everything that went behind, you can freeze that and do an audit on. But let's start fresh. I think they should be, have, be able to have that in play uh, 10 days from now. 
I really think that, that they should be able to have that in play. Uh, if you were starting a new charity or a new to help someone and put in all the independent oversight they need, all the records keeping, yeah. record, um, you know, a, a separate bank account, not in with your personal bank account and someone's personal bank funds. Yes. Let's set this up right. Let's get it going again because these four accused, these four good Canadians, they deserve our assistance. And with that, Donald, uh, I'm going to carry on. Thank you very much. We're going to do the part two uh, as soon as we'll, we'll do the part two promise. So, so long as you want to come back on, uh, we'll do it. Thank you for everything that you're doing. It's been amazing. Thank you, Viva. See you next time. Absolutely. Enjoy what's left of the weekend. We'll see you soon. Everybody else out there, uh, we're going to end this. I've been, I've been plugging the link to vivabarnslaw.locals.com. We're going to go over there, do the after party until my wife comes in and, um, you know, nags me to go to bed. Tomorrow night, we will have the Sunday night show of Viva Barnes Law for the People on a Monday. So did I miss anything? I haven't missed anything on the Rumble Rants side of things. Um, thank you all for being here. I should probably plug my own merch stuff. Viva Fry. I haven't, I haven't, I broke my, my mug, everybody. But if you want to get a mug or the best shot glasses of all time, wanted for president. That's the shot glass. That's the mug shot shot glass. I need to get a new mug. Um, they're the coolest things on the block. All the kids walk around and saying, uh, where'd you get your mug? That's awesome. They don't say that. All right. We're going to end this on Rumble. Come on over to the vivabarnslaw.locals.com. See you all tomorrow night. If you're not coming, six o'clock with the Barnes. And we've got a I mean, Trump gag order. Oh, it's Trump, Trump, Trump. And then a bunch of other good stuff. So ending the stream on Rumble now. See you, locals. I'm coming. I'm a coming, locals. Five, four, three, two, one. Good night. All right, now let's go over to locals and see what's going on here, people. Oh, I'll tell you the funny story. First of all, good evening, locals. Uh, are we live here? We're all good. Super extra durable, unbreakable mug. Not when one of your kids knocks it off the table because she wrapped her my battery cable around her, my mug when she had it on her iPad and whatever. Um, I did. Okay. For, so that we did. Whoa. Nagging wife. <laughs> she just got back from, uh, she was in Ottawa. Well, speaking of Ottawa, she was in Ottawa and uh, she's happy to get home. But, uh, I, I, I hear some, I, I heard some noise earlier that I <laughs> seems to have gone. The kids don't say that it must be the gag order of UFRI. Mr. Butterworth says, Viva, did you have fun and meet lots of people at, in Trump's world? I didn't say, so the, uh, Mr. Butterworth, I still have to edit my vlog on my phone. I, sh I got there at about 5.30. This was at Mar-a-Lago for the Dinesh D'Souza police state premiere. I didn't stay for the, I had already seen the documentary uh, and I didn't stay for the after party because nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. My wife was out of town. I had the three kids, you know, my oldest was babysitting the other two. And I said, man, if I stay for the end of the documentary, then for drinks, I'll be home at one o'clock and the kids are, you know, burn the house down so uh but it was, it's it's very cool i mean just i meet i met um oh geez louise i met um what the what the, how am i how am i having such a brain fart walk away i had him on the channel i just I, oh brandon struck i don't know what my problem is i met bongino i had met bongino um multiple times i met bongino back in 
I'm definitely going to say Milwaukee. I met I met Bongino. Sad wings raging. I didn't I didn't I didn't want to fangirl out and ask for selfies with everybody. So if the, if the pictures were, came up organically, we took pictures. Met Bongino. Uh, met Laura Loomer. Met um, well, I saw Luke Rudkowski again. I met him. So Brendan Strzok for the first time. Uh, I met Rob Smith again. I met Rob Smith at uh, Tim Pool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just great meeting a lot of people. Met the whistleblower for Facebook. It's cool. Just, I just like meeting people. It's fun to see them. I don't, I, the, the, you know, the, what is it called? Hodgepodging and the rubbing elbows. I'm not into that, you know, with, with fancy people. Don't care. I want to meet the people who I like and who are fun to meet. And it was fun. And I met a lot of people. Um, who else? Yeah, it was good. Nobody fell in the pool that I know of. Age does that to your memory lesson. I say children do that to your memory. Uh, what I was going to say was this. Okay, so Friday, I did uh, the Alex Jones show. I had two hours. I'll tell everybody. Oh my goodness. This is when neuroses, ADHD, whatever you want to call it, a hyperactive brain running overtime as you... T- it has... It, it comes in handy. And then it's also like the biggest... Um, crutch on the, not crutch, what's the word? Destructive thing on the planet. (laughs) USA now says, you're getting old, Viva. That, you have brain farts. Yes, but also, then we got Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's, see, I can remember his name. Um, So I did, I did uh, two hours on InfoWars Friday. Let me tell you the internal crisis that I had, the breakdown, the buildup, the, the, the drama, all going on in my head as I'm live doing the show. I've never done it before. Uh, a a two-hour segment. I've had Alex Jones on the channel multiple times. I've done bits on their show multiple times. But being a guest and, you know, they worry about the technical stuff. I get asked questions and then they cut to break. That's, that's easy. I mean, it's easy, you know, getting asked questions and then talking. I was doing a two-hour segment, so I had to, you know, I had to fill two hours and not fill two hours. I had to have something nice, insightful, meaningful, informative to talk about for two hours. That in and of itself is stressful. When I do my channel, you know, I do my streams. If I run out of stuff to say, stream's over. See you tomorrow, people. Two hours. Then I have to say, okay, well, in an hour of 60 minutes of time, how much do I have to actually be talky-talky for? They say 45 minutes. Okay, good. I can do that. That's an hour and a half of talking time. That's easy. Get my subjects. Going to cover Trump in Colorado. Uh, I had uh, Ashley Epon from Badlands Media to talk. Okay, fine. So I can budget this. I can have her on for two, three segments. Um, you know, nine minutes commercials. Nine minutes commercials, nine minutes commercials. That's like, you know, three quarters of an hour. And then when I'm done with Ashley, I'll, then I'll go on, talk about New York, talk about uh, Canada, the euthanasia numbers, all that stuff. Okay. <laughs> to do the segment live remotely, I'm using StreamYard, not Zoom, not, not Skype. And so I don't have the, the, the person in my ear telling me 30 seconds cut into commercial. I got a little screen uh, that's in the backstage of StreamYard so that only I can see it, so that it's not up on the screen the entire time. But I, we couldn't figure out a way to have it up on the screen the entire time where I could actually hear it. When it's in backstage, I don't hear any of the, the, the cues. So the first segment cut in. I don't know when I'm cutting in. We do the segment, I forgot to, we have to go to commercial. And I'm having the interview with Ashley and I realize, shit, we've gone to commercial and Ashley and I have been talking, not knowing I missed the cue to go to commercial. Then we come back and I'm texting to say like, okay, how's it going guys? I'm having a bit of a sweat panic attack here. And, um, and then they tell me, okay, well, 
for the second hour, you're going to cue in a special message from Alex Jones. And I didn't understand that that was only going to be to, to wind up the second hour. And in my head, I heard for the second hour, you're queuing up Alex Jones. And I'm like, oh shit, they're cutting me after 45 minutes because this is going so badly. I'm blowing everything so badly. I could just hear Alex Jones calling and the show's like, get him off the air. He's screwing everything up. So this is what's going on in my head. When I think they say, cue in Alex Jones for a special message for the second hour, I think they're yeeting me after the first hour because of how badly it's going. And so, <laughs> so then I tell Ashley, it's like, okay, well, geez, I want to get to some of the other subjects. So I'm going to cue out Ashley and we're going to end our interview. And then I'm going to go through the other stuff that I had. And, but in my own mind, I'm sitting, I'm going to go cry myself uh, a river after this is over, humiliated, uh, deflated, like my, my shot to do this was an embarrassment to me and I didn't even know it. And like, I thought I was doing so, oh, <laughs> oh Lord, Viva needs therapy. So as I'm broken down internally, crying inside, I'm predicting, I'm visualizing how I'm going to go after the 45 minutes and go cry in a room. <laughs> and so I end with Ash. And then, uh, they, then I just get clarification. Oh no, things are going, they're very happy. Everyone's loving it. I go to the chat, they're loving it. They're saying, no, it's just the last five minutes of the second hour, Alex Jones had a special message. Everything's going fine, Viva. What's your problem? And then I'm like, well, that now it's too late. Now I've already broken myself down internally. All the while, got to keep up the energy, got to keep the dialogue, got to keep the conversation going, follow what's being said, ask my questions. Okay, so that's, that, was, that was my breakdown and build up in real time. It was, um, it was very stressful. Um, and then I got the hang of going out to commercial, coming back in from commercial. Because when I do my own show, I don't say like, you know, Viva Fry, you know, I, you cure, I, the, the ra- it's not the radio format, it's the show format. We're like, I, I'm not good at it, I should be better at it. Uh, the quartering does it better than me. Remind everybody what you're watching. You're watching Viva Fry. Tune in daily. So going out to commercial, Viva Fry hosting on the Alex Jones Show. We'll be right back after this break. Come back from the break. Viva Fry hosting for the Alex Jones. So I got, and I got better as it went along. So the, the learning curve was, uh, was good. Furby Slayer says, you were needlessly nervous. Yep, 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 yep. And Angel RD says, oh, Viva, you did so well. I watched twice, mostly because my end was chopped. Oh, and then I, the things I don't care about, like I noticed that every now and again, they're like, I got spliced into the commercial break where it would just be me like this during break, which I don't care because I always assume the camera's running so I don't do embarrassing things like pull a tube and type thing. So anyways, that was it. That was my experience. And I, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I think it went well. Um, I got the hang of it. It's definitely a different format than what I'm used to. Uh, but that was my, that was my like, uh, that's my, that, by the way, that's just like, that's just what it's like being stuck in my head. It's, 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 I, 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 sad wings raging says OCD plus perfectionism plus hypersensitivity equals total wreck. I think I had the wreckness. I, I like to think that I had that part well enough, but yeah, no, dude, it's, it's, uh, but that's me every day of the week. It's a terrible thing. Look, we don't have, we don't have very many tips to read. So I'll just read the tip from dread Roberts. It says, are all the other police in North America avoiding looking into the jab or avoiding it after asking about vaccines for years? Well, I guarantee that much. Um, I was just about to talk about neuroses. What was it about? It was about, he's just neurotic. Viva, congrats in the Belfry on doing the Alex Jones show. You knocked it out of the park. Thank you. You did great, man, says Mr. Mike, Mr. Mike. 
Oh yeah, hypersensitivity total wreck. Um, they don't. It's 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 um. The, oh, that's what I was gonna talk about. It's crazy. And for those who don't know, like trolls on the internet, dude. I got that voice in the back of my head is the biggest troll of anybody out there. I still. You, you second guess things that you've done forever. Like you, you never, no matter how much reassurance you get, it's actually one of the, one of the symptoms is the constant need for reassurance that you didn't screw up. No matter how, and then sometimes you screw up by asking for the reassurance, like tell me I didn't screw up. It's like, well, no, you didn't, but why would you ask? And now you sort of like planted the seed of doubt. So in trying to like overcome the feeling that you screwed up to get the assurance that you didn't, you end up planting the seed of doubt by screwing things up, like picking where there was no scab and making one to pick a scab. The things I still cringe about as at having said, I mean, I remember them. And it's like, why did you ask that? Why did you say that? Why? And it's, it never goes away, it never gets better. Apparently I'm hardwired this way, but then the thing is this, y'all remember the movie um, Swingers, where, what's his face's name? So you got Vince Vaughn, and then you got the other guy, uh, the, the, the heavier set guy, what's his name? Whatever, where he's talking about breaking up with your girlfriend, and then you say, it's devastating, it hurts, it feels like you know there's been a death, and then the feeling slowly gets better, and it slowly gets less painful, and then one day, there's no pain at all, but you miss the pain. I'm not sure that I'd wanna change, because I, I, something tells me that if I no longer were this neurotic, then maybe I wouldn't, I don't know. Then that being said, who knows, maybe if I weren't this neurotic, I could, you know, be president of um, America. America. Viva needs three times therapy a week. USA now. <laughs> Viva gonna die in 11 years from being a neurotic mess. No, well, don't do that. that, that who said that? USA now. I know my, one of my fears is death. Thanatophobia. Fear of death and the process of death. Yep. That's what I would be nervous if like this level of stress is unhealthy, like physically long-term, but... I exercise every day and that's it. Mr. Buttersworth says, stop focusing on the past. It has no value except as a learning experience. <sighs> what did I say that I still cringe? Oh, I'm not, if I told you. you... No, it, it's the things that you regret and that make you cringe are the times when you did not live up to your own expectations of yourself. <laughs> and sadly says, don't get dead. We all die. That's the other thing. It's like, how do you get past that? Matthew Perry dies at 54. That's barely 10 years older than me. Now, I, I don't have what I, what, you know, the similar type of life of, of drug abuse, but now what were we talking about? It says 251 Omega. Um, but yes, it's Sophia Agape, uh, Agape. Stop focusing on the past. It has no value except as a learning experience. That's the only value it has. The problem is regret. How do you get over regret? It's very difficult. How do you get over kicking yourself in the ass for the stupid things that you've done? Ah, fire off freedom. No, that's fire of freedom. It says, you did great, Viva, and we enjoy watching your neuroses. The question is, could anybody tell in real time? That's the question. Oh, dear God, they're coming. They're, they found me. Um, if you're not neurotic, then you likely would be president of the USA, duh. And that looks like um, Mean Girls. That's from the movie where they were talking about Halloween costumes just being an excuse for young women to dress as raunchily attractive as they can. <sighs> okay, let's see what we got here. Viva, you see any videos of the UK protests? They're going to do it on Remembrance Day, hyphen. I've seen the videos. I'm just, I'm, I find that subject 
to be so unpleasant a, a, a source of conversation. I'm, I'm just doing my best not to engage in it in as much as possible. Um, I ran a poll, which I immediately regretted, but I don't like deleting tweets for that reason. But I ran a poll, which was basically said, if you had to be governed by either the Israeli government or Hamas, who would you choose? And then, you know, then I, then I read the replies, even though I know that I shouldn't. There's a false Zionist dichotomy. It's like, there's not a false dichotomy. Oh, oh so there was Hamas, the Israeli government, Hamas, just show answers for those who don't want to answer. It ended up being 50% voted. I'd rather be, even if I don't trust Netanyahu further than I can throw him, you can trust him to not do certain things, whereas you can trust other, other groups to do certain things definitively, which might make you say, I'll take, even if I think Netanyahu is the, the, uh, an evil, I'll take the lesser of the evils. But you ask these questions, everybody's got an opinion. People express it in ways that are unpleasant, um, discouraging. And so I, I just, I just uh, yeah, true, unpleasant is an understatement. So I, I prefer to avoid, you, you, nobody's going to convince anybody of anything. Nobody wants to hear the nuance. I, I still take, I hear on Twitter, oh, was it on Twitter? Yeah, it was on Twitter. Post the Donald Best link to the, to the Rumble stream. Someone in the chat says, you're going to apologize for running with the decapitated baby story? And I'm like, first of all, I never ran with that story. I never republished that story because as far as I'm concerned, whether or not they decapitated babies versus humanely murdered babies, that was a detail that I don't think really, maybe, does it make it more atrocious? Like, what the hell's the purpose of that question? Is that person suggesting that what I saw on uh, South First Responders didn't happen? What I saw the GoPro videos of the terrorists didn't happen. Oh, but they, they humanely murdered the victims. They didn't decapitate them. Although they did decapitate, I think he wasn't even a Jewish settler. He was a Ethiopian, I think. He wasn't even Jewish, decapitated with a, with a garden hoe. Oh, so they, they run with this, this, what might have been fake news just so they can then say, oh, well, there was no evidence of the 40 decapitated babies. And therefore we get to use that piece of disinformation, exaggeration, to discredit the video footage from the GoPros, oh, okay, so they didn't, they didn't cut their heads off. They just humanely, savagely murdered them. Unless the point is, they don't think that they murdered anybody. In which case, we live in a world that is post-truth to the point, you can't believe anything. And, I, and I, I, I'm almost there to some extent where I, I, before I retweet or tweet or ask questions, I bloody well make sure that I'm as certain as I can humanly be and then still leave the door open for possibly being wrong. What was the other one that just came out? The, the, the bombing of the hospital. I was like, okay, when this is when, you know, Kim Iverson went batshit crazy. I was like, I, I, I'm not going one way or the other. But even when Cobra Tate tweeted out, I was like, will it change anything of your opinion if this story turns out to be slightly less than accurate as, to, as compared to what you're saying? I, th that was the night of I, 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 I tweeted that and I take shit. What was the other one? Then, so the hospital. And I still don't, I mean, I know, I know I've, I've heard both sides. I've seen the evidence and I'm still not definitively able to say what I, what I, I know what I think, but I can't say what's true. And now there was a video circulating, allegedly purporting to show innocent Gazans who had been executed by Hamas as they were attempting to flee, um, sub subsequent to warnings to flee. I don't, you know. Hamas says they were killed by a, 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 an Israeli bomb. Uh, other sleuths out there say it wasn't a bomb because you could see small arms fire. These people were executed. And they say they were executed by Hamas. 
It could be a video from Syria for all I know. It could be a video from, from three years ago. You don't even know what to believe anymore, but people have gone bat poop crazy. Um, to, 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 you know, they, everyone's become an expert in the Middle East. The, the, people have learned the wrong lesson from the flavor of the day with Russia, Ukraine. The, the point was not that Russia good, Ukraine bad, despite us being told Ukraine good, Russia bad. The point was that it's a complex years long conflict that didn't start in 2022 and you're not an expert and everybody's got an expert definitive opinion and they're vocal about it. The point was, in, in, the point was never that one side was objectively unquestionably good, the other side was the, the, the face of evil. That was never the lesson to be learned and people have learned the wrong lesson. Now, when it comes to Hamas, it might be a little different in terms of saying, you know, an entity that you just know is, is bad. The fact that, you know, there is evidence, there's quotes, there's statements that Netanyahu funded them back in the elections in 2005 to pit Gaza against the West Bank and vice versa. Yeah. Okay. That makes Netanyahu bad as well. What is it? Oh, well, so Hamas is a creation of Israel. Therefore, what? You trust Hamas then? Or you don't trust Netanyahu, but you still have to say between the two, there are, you know, innocent people getting, getting, wickedly caught in the crossfire. So that's it. Search Google by image to see if it's new or not. Uh, 25, one, oh, 251 Omega. Yes, but that doesn't always work. And sometimes they're just so bloody. Sometimes they're screen grabs. And, and it's like, you know, I, I go to Tinai, I go to Google Image Reverse to see it. And, and you, try to, you try to do the... Does the truth on brutality matter to pro-Hamas followers of interse intersectionality? Nestle, I mean, it's, it's, pe people, people don't even, they have an idea. There's, there's two things, and, and Gad Sad is, is, is on point, but I, Gad Sad's, um, you know, I, I, I'm not, my, my, my Twitter feed, my content is not going to become solely focused on this, period, regardless. It's, it's been very, I, I say, cynically profitable for some people, names need not be mentioned. Gad Sad wrote a, power, a chapter on this in his book, The Parasitic Mind. Like this has been his life experience, so it, it's it's understandable why he has is putting so much energy into this. Other people who you know who see it as the flavor of the day and it makes for good numbers, it makes for good engagements, makes for good requests to to follow on on uh, to subscribe on Twitter. But my it's not, it's not going to turn into the, the um, I'm, you know the, the bulk of my Twitter stuff. It's just. It's also just fundamentally morbidly depressing. I, I have not slept well since the attack on October 7. Um, I can genuinely understand the arguments on both sides. I genuinely understand how people are going to look at Netanyahu and say he's got the excuse he's, he wanted. And it had to be bad in order for him to get away, to think that he could get away with doing what he's doing now. And they, you know, 700,000 Palestinians have managed to displace themselves uh, to evacuate. What the hell is going to be left to go back to? Absolutely nothing. What's going to happen with that land? I understand how people are going to use the outcome, the inevitable outcome of this, to say, you know, it was a Lee hop or a me hop, uh, you know, that Netanyahu was involved in. I can understand it. There was another part to that. Oh, and then, you know, I, under, and, and then viewing it as, whether or not it was a Lee hop or a me hop that Netanyahu 
having funded Hamas, having you know paid them lots of money, whether or not he thought it was, or having authorized Qatar to release lots of money to Hamas, whether or not he thought it could buy the peace, well, it's going to be a convenient excuse now to, 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 to reduce to rubble a great portion of um, uh, Gaza. There's going to be nothing for anybody to go back to. So the idea to say, evacuate now while we conduct this operation and come back afterwards, it's illusory. It's, 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 it's okay. And then does this become, in 50 years from now, the exact argument that uh, goes for the 1967. Well, we didn't start the war, but we gained land in the context of the response to that war. I, I can see this as a bit of history rhyming, if not repeating. But I can certainly understand how people look on this with a great degree of skepticism, as though it's a Lee Hop or a Me Hop, and Netanyahu is seizing the opportunity. Certainly not talking about any of his internal corruption anymore. USA now says Viva understands the lies and the propaganda. And that looks like, I don't know what that meme is from. That looks like, I want to say SpongeBob SquarePants or Futurama. Okay, let's go back down to the chat. Anyway, that's it. So my response to leaders who want war is to have those leaders put into a cage match. And whoever wins, that is how the war is decided. No one else dies or gets hurt. Only The only problem that higher calling, I mean, I know it's a joke, and I mean, I know that it's, it's intended to be humor, but there are bad people who will take advantage of the passivity of others, period. There, there will be those people. And so the, the, in as much as you need to be prepared to defend, um, and then it's just, you know, then it's just a question of everybody says, well, this is a preemptive attack. This is a, this is a preemptive self-defense. BB's days are probably, BB's days are probably numbered. This is a no-win situation. Well, after he's done doing the dirty work, yeah, they'll oust him. And then what's, oh, come, come back to, come back to Gaza. There's, there's, there's rubble. For, your home is ash. Israel should have asked Putin for advice to conduct a special operation, Jeanette Victoria. Oh, then you just get into everything, like whether or not Putin is funding Hamas. And, and it's, it, the world, and, and cripe, the world is dirty, dark, disgusting, sinister. And, um, and the narcissists, the sociopaths, uh, they are the ones vying for these positions. They're the ones who least deserve to have the power, and they're the ones who most abuse of it. Mr. Mike says, Viva, remember, remember the 5th of November. I just started watching that with my kid. Uh, didn't like it as much as Interstellar. And it's a, it's a, it's a you know, British movies are just, even if you're a kid, you still think British movies are like snooty intellectual movies, and you're, you're inclined to not like them like American movies, but I didn't realize Guy Fox. I mean, I feel like an idiot. I only discovered Guy Fox who he was because of that movie. I didn't. I, I at first I didn't even realize Guy Fox was a real historical character. Okay, fine. Who the hell like water chestnuts? I hate even picking them out of my foods. Oh no, I like water chestnuts. I mean, they have no flavor. I like them in my um, uh, Lanzau noodles. If there's one thing I miss about Montreal, it's Lanzau noodles. Damn it, those were that was good. I was in Iraq for three years and Afghanistan for two, and I do not like the war, period, full stop, says Higher Calling. Yeah. Oh, sorry, uh, Jeanette Victoria for the tip. Thank you very much. So that's it. Um, I, it's been very depressing. And I was playing with my... Uh, we, we, so we got um, one of those launchers, a Berna launcher, and they shoot pepper spray, which you, you can't have this in Canada for self-defense. They shoot... Uh, 
hard projectiles. And uh, I use it for target practice. We, you know, target practice and teaching gun safety because it's basically like, it's just a beautiful paintball gun. Um, but one of the pepper balls broke and I'm sitting there like, I'm just, you know, making sure everything's operational. And I start feeling like I'm burning in my nose. Like, what's going on? And I realize like, there's a little white powder on my hand and it's not that way. I, one of the pepper balls broke and my goodness, good news, it works. When do you host InfoWars again? Uh, you, know what, you know what I'd love? Oh God, if I can get, if I can get to Texas and do it in person. I, I would love that. Chrissy says in response to I was in Iraq for you know three years. I agree 100% having lived in Northern Ireland. It solves nothing in my humble opinion. We are lucky here, kids. Playing together helped bring change. Yep. So that's it. Coke leak equals white powder. No, no, it was it was it was pepper spray powder. Like the funny thing is, it felt because it was just a it was like I don't even like I can't even show it was it was it just looked like dust. It didn't even look like what it I felt it. It felt exactly like when I was at Longboat Keys for the Rumble event in February, and they had the red tide problem with the Gulf, and it was and I was like burning my nose and coughing outside. It felt a little bit like that. Can imagine it's. Um, Yael Rivka says, Dave, don't be depressed. It's all going to be okay. Bisrat Hashem. Yael, I don't want to be the, um, I don't want to be the depressing guy. I've seen the footage of the, I've seen a lot of the footage of the attack. And in as much as anything's ever going to be okay for everyone else, it's never going to be okay for those people ever again, for their relatives, for anybody who has a direct connection to any of them and the horrors that they went through. And this is, I, this is not a biased thing. I've seen the footage of the bombing in Gaza. I, it, I've seen the videos of these kids with compound fractures um, being brought into hospital. It's not going to be okay for them. It's not going to be all right for them. And so like, like I, I, I appreciate, you know, in the, in the broader scale of humanity, we're going we're gonna to turn into stardust when the sun goes supernova and eradicates any, any evidence that we as a species ever existed. Can you imagine that? Like imagine that we're the only planet on Earth, on Earth. Imagine the only planet in the universe. And the sun goes, it just burns that little planet up. That's us. And everything that human existence has ever achieved is turned into cosmic stardust. And it's just endless, lifeless, lifeless blackness out there. Everyone's going into Barnes withdrawal. Mighty Piss says, Barnes is back tomorrow. And Naomi R says, but we need, we got to get, y'all got any of that Barnes tonight? No. You're stuck with Viva alone tonight. Uh, oh, and USA Now says, we would space colonize before the sun goes. Maybe. Interstellar is the best movie ever made. Oh. Yael Rifka says, Viva Fry, I know people who have lost entire families, but Hashem will make it all right. This is where I say I wish I could believe in, in, in that type of God. I mean, uh, and this is where also the... Um, the thanatophobia, where like the obsession on the, the fear of, of death and the process of death. <sighs> I like to imagine like, uh, okay. Um, at the moment, Viva is not delivering the white pill. <sighs> Let me see, do I have got a white pill somewhere around here? Nope. 
Uh, higher calling says a white pill for tonight is that each day there is a story about people waking up to the corruption. They don't like it. The judge in Connecticut redoing the mayor's race. Well, the white pill, what was the white pill? It was Tim Kennedy. He had the white pill. What was his white pill? I forgot it. Better yourself, pay attention, teach others, awaken others. No, I'm having trouble. I don't want to be there. There is a white pill. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's what he said. Thank goodness I remembered it. And I'm go- we're going to end it on this. This is something of a white pill, although I could, I could give the neurotic... Um, I, <laughs> I was going to say the black billing. I can brown pill it. I can, tur- I, can, I, can, I can poo-poo this white pill. I won't. I'll give you the white pill. Tim Kennedy said he's done... I, I, I've got to get him on for, a, I, I got to get him on for an interview. I'm going to do my best. Um, you know, he, he's seen Afghanistan. Did he see Afghanistan? No, he saw Ukraine. Oh, no, that's right. He saw the withdrawal in Afghanistan. He saw what's going on in Ukraine. He saw the border crisis. He saw what's going on in Israel. And he said the white pill is look to the people who are doing good. That's his white pill. Do I, do I brown pill the white pill? Oh, my practice in law, I've seen a lot of the people who pretend to be doing the good. And like Donald Best said, you know, they, you know when, when you wiretap people, you know what they're saying behind closed doors, despite the facade that they're putting on to the, to the general public. My brown pill to the white pill is I've seen what some people who purport to be the do-gooders, the, the, I just want to help, and I know what they're doing. But there are people out there who just want to help, and they die just wanting to help, and they die trying to help others. So that's a white pill. The black pill is they die in their pursuit of trying to help others. And my want to believe in God and my want to have faith that there is a a power out there that will reward them for having died, given it everything uh, to help the people that they think needed help, that needed help. I want to believe there's some cosmic justice. I'd love to. I know that one of my brothers would say, Viva, there is cosmic justice. Whether you believe in it or not, believe in it because there is. I know that. Read Tehillim Psalms Hashem I'll give it a try. Spinnaker says the white pill is a lot of good people in the chat. Earlier, Viva just seemed so depressed about the state of the world. I was hoping to br- hoping to bring him and us out of it. Well, now I feel like I failed. The, I, the white pill is um, the uh, the white pill is here's a white pill. Oh. There it is. There it is. Look at that stupid dog. I want to kiss that dog's face. I, oh, that's a female dog de Bordeaux because the mouth, the snout is so... Look at those folds. Look at that stupid crooked teeth on the dog's face. Winston. No, he's not coming. Oh, 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 he's coming. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. The white pill um, is... We, the only thing we take with us is that which we leave behind, the, in, the mark that we've left on this earth. Sorry, I got distracted by the dog. What, the white pill is we, leave, we take with us what we leave behind. And I always like to say that heaven and hell are the same thing. It's an eternity of hearing what people say about you in your absence. So that's it. I will, in as much as I can do anything, continue to, you know, uh, to, I don't know, protect, provide for my family, Immediate, direct, and indirect. 
continue to do as much as I can to uh, help with those that, that I can help. So there's, there's only this finite time in the day. USA Now says white pill equals dog haircut. Make you look good. Winston is a white pill. Oh, God. My, oh, look what I got, Winston. Look what I got. I got something here. Come here. Right here. He's looking at me. He's looking at me like I'm an idiot, but he's not actually. Now he just put his head back down. Hold on. Oh. 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 Get over here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been sitting on my. I've been sitting on my stress rock. I got this in Texas. And it's like a beautiful, supposed to be some sort of spiritual stone that takes away the negative energy and it's nice fits in the hand i could skip it it would be like the best skipper ever and i rub my thumb on the little indent right you can see where the indent is right there let me see there it is right there that little indent i haven't done it with my thumb but uh the white pill Mm. you smell bad oh look at that look at it if i scratch his belly right there he just stuck his tongue actually in my mouth. Uh, I saw a beautiful pit bull today as I was at Deerfield Beach. I think dogs are the white pill. Dogs are God's gift to man and woman, to humankind. Dogs are the best thing on earth. Yeah. And the community. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, we will. This too shall pass. I do know that. It's a worry stone. If anybody knows what it was, it ends in I-T-E. It's a black stone. Oh. Black agate. That's what I think it is. <laughs> Sorry for the all caps. No, higher calling. That's what I think this is. No, it's not black obsidian in the belfry. Fairly certain it's black agate. Doesn't smell. I am still not used to Winston Shittenhouse's haircut. Cats of the white pill. LOL. Yeah. <laughs> well, speak. I won't show you the backside. There has been much less shitten fur on Winston Shittenhouse. Um, hey, Ethan. You want to come say hi? I heard some. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, that's you want to come say hi? Ethan. Well, you can come say hi too. Here come children, I guess. Uh, children are the white. Here, come say hi. Come say hi. Here. Okay, we got one kid. There you go. Dun, 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 take him. Oh, your hair smells good. I know. I um she didn't drop the dog. She did not drop the dog. I uh, I brushed my hair this morning and uh, then I went into the salty ocean and I'm going to leave the salts in because I believe it's good for the hair. Shalom, Ethan. Oh, look at the dog. What is this? Oh, then we got this kid. Oh, okay. Here's the, well, no, I'm not gonna say that. there's no one kid who's more white pulled than the other, but he's wearing my shirt. Freedom and the American flag freedom. And now we've been watching a lot of chiropractor videos. Let's see if we can do this. Breathe out. Oh, no, hold on. We do it. We do it the way I was doing it before like this. Breathe. No, get out of here. You're done with the back. Okay. I'll be out in two seconds. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. Fine. He's Oh. oh yeah. Okay, get out of here. Uh, so that is it. Okay, good. We got the white. We got the white pill. Uh, tomorrow night, everybody. Um, tomorrow night, six o'clock. Viva and Barnes Sunday night show on a Monday. <sighs> oh God, my back and my my. Uh, look at that beautiful dog. Oh, look at that dog. Look at this dog. That looks like a uh, Belgian Shepherd, if I'm not mistaken. Who, whose dog is that? Uh, Red Team Thirty Three, Belgian Shepherd. Here come the white pills, say Spinnaker. And we got, you're a trick, I'm a treat. (laughs) 
those are pump those are actual pumpkins actually carved amazing um okay why doesn't pudge wear a doggy diaper because she this is higher calling because she chews it off and also winston chews it off also her, her poop is so firm because of the all beef diet that uh it's easy it's easy to pick up all, all right, right. nessa says thanks viva yeah um on piano teacher um, she put diapers on her. Um... They had a piano teacher who had diapers on their dog, but it's not not all not all dogs tolerate the the diaper. Great show, Night Viva. Thank you. Donald Best is doing amazing work. We're gonna follow with the coops for. The dog chewed the diaper off of his. Okay, get get out here. Okay, yeah, too too much TMI, everybody. Okay, go enjoy the night. I will see you all tomorrow. Thank you very much. Sorry, I didn't get to do a, a locals exclusive yesterday. Um, Marion had Marion had been away all week and came back this afternoon, so. We are back to two-person parenting, which is what parenting is. It's, I don't know how single parents do it. It's, 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 it's impossible. It's impossible. And now I, maybe I get to go back to sharing a bed only with my wife tonight and not two kids and a dog. <laughs> okay, everybody go enjoy the night. Thank you all for being here, and I will see you tomorrow. Peace out, everyone, and thank you for the therapy session. As always, thank you for being here. And... Um, that's it. As soon as I'm done editing the uh, Mar-a-Lago video, it's coming out. He's smelling my glasses case. <laughs> Get out of here. Okay. Good night, everybody. See you tomorrow. Peace.